This week's show is brought to you by Miracle Made. Alright, now you guys, Brad and Alex, you know I like a lot of things, but I'm going to reveal a little bit about myself here. I really like sleeping. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm like, it's, oh, yeah. A, it's in my top three. Of it's a great I thing enjoy. to do. Wait, hang on. Eating, sleeping, and? Sleeping. Again. Okay. It's, All right. it's it's mostly sleeping, then eating, then sleeping Got again. Got it, yes. Got sleep, it. get up, eat, then you get back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. If I could eat while I'm sleeping, I would probably do that, too. Sleep, eat, sleep, repeat. Got it. Yes. And luckily for me, Miracle Made has sheets just for me. Because did you know that traditional bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat? And I'll tell you what I don't like, sleeping on a damn toilet seat. I would rather sleep in some nice sheets. I don't know, man. Have you tried it? Unfortunately, yes. And it's not my style. I won't ask you to elaborate. (laughs) Inspired by those punks at NASA, Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. It has self-cooling properties. The sheets that are infused with this silver prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets, and no more gross odors. Only the best odors in my sheets. You can go to trymiracle.com slash nextlander to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo nextlander at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to miracle.com slash nextlander and use the code nextlander to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash nextlander to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Next Lander podcast. I'm Vinny Caravella, joined by uh, intrepid explorer Brad Shoemaker. Who's it going to be? Just waiting to see who uh, decided for, to introduce first. Hello, hi. Hi, hi welcome back. I'm, I'm from space. Traveling the galaxies, all the spaces. So, yes, I fast. I, I just I opened a menu and I highlighted the icon for San Francisco and I held X. Mm-hmm. Three seconds later, I was there. It was weird. No travel time at all. Alex, you tried to fast travel from uh, New York to New Jersey, but they said you were over-encumbered and you can't fast travel when you're over-encumbered. The problem is I got to get that easy pass. That's the thing that lets you travel when you're encumbered, unfortunately. <laughs> or you got to shed some boxes. You just got to... No, no the are... boxes are coming, man. I don't drop boxes. Drop boxes. Got it. I don't care how much oxygen I'm losing. I am keeping these fucking guns. <laughs> how much CO2 hey, o- you are developing. Hey, hey, oxygen. It's the new stamina. Um, yeah. We're talking... We're making a bunch of Starfield references. Um, should we just jump into it? Uh, Probably. Yeah. Okay. I don't. I don't Probably. have a lot of preamble here. This is kind of what we've been doing over the last week or so. This, this is all I have played. I'm about. I'm just about two dozen hours into it now. I don't know about you guys. So we I'm have, like eight ish, eight or nine. Okay. I think I'm about fifteen ish. Okay. So the um, 
I could double check at some point, but I will say, uh, you know, we've held this podcast for the embargo. If you're listening to this when it comes up, it's Thursday. Uh, we're going to go into it. I don't think there's going to be a lot of story spoilers here because I don't think any of us have a lot to say to spoil the story. Correct me if I'm wrong, but like, I don't think there's too much that they haven't shown that we're going to get into narrative wise. That being said, we're obviously going to talk about the game as much as we can. So, uh, spoiler warning here. I'll put it mm-hmm. in the notes as well that uh, there could be some minor spoilers if you're looking to go in uh, extremely fresh. If you want to hear our opinions, yeah, spoilers. They could happen. I'd, I'd, I'll put it this way. Uh, like I said, I'm about 23-ish hours in. I think I'm only on the third story quest still. Just yeah. just to give you some context <laughs> for how little of late game story we have to talk about. Yeah, I think like, we'll, ta- we'll talk about the setup stuff. Uh, let's just get it out of the way right now. Uh, the setup in this game is, and I think this is what they've showed, you find an artifact, you touch it, you have kind of a, a Mass Effect-like vision, and then you're on your mission to go collect the rest of the artifacts. Like yeah, that is, yes. That's the kind of That's the short there. version of it. You get, yeah. you get mixed up with Constellation, which is a kind of, not a secret society, everybody seems to know about them, but they are like well-funded. Not well-staffed. They, they seem like, it seems like, I don't know. Constellation, especially looking at the lodge, their base. Yeah. Their like fancy mahogany library base. Uh-huh. Like Constellation sort of seems like a pursuit for the idle wealthy. Totally. It's got it's way. got it's got like a Livingston style, like uh, uh old school bunch of people with monocles and elephant guns sitting around oh, yeah. with there would totally be like were it not totally uncouth, there would totally be a guy sitting there in a pith helmet. Yes, right. Yes. It's a got I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, it's got that vibe of like, an, yeah, not an Elks club, but like a like a like a old style club for people who like to do safari. Yeah, I'm sure those were the inspirations, like that era of kind of rich people exploring. Granted, there's only one actual rich guy there who funds everything, but still, I I just mean it more has the vibe of like the kind of thing that you only can do when you have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but they seem well intentioned. They seem about exploring and xenobiology and like totally stuff like that. So far, yeah. It it's, um, in their version of it, they seem to have assembled a um, a kind of um, think tank almost yeah. uh, of of minds, people with specific skills, uh, um, you know, different areas of expertise to come along. But yeah, that's that's fair. Like one one guy is a former pirate, so they're not all a bunch of like right. hoity toity. Societal elites or whatever. They're funded, funded by like an industry magnate who like you yeah. know made a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the, but that's, no, that's that's nothing to say about your character who also comes from let's just say fairly meager uh, you know origins. Though I mean you do have some room in terms of like how you want your character's backstory to be. But you know the start of the game is you're just working on some shitty mining colony digging you're up dusty. Rocks. Yeah, like you're, you're a dusty. You're, you're a dusty. Yeah, I I, I, really, I like Supervisor Lynn. She's Ooh. she's all right. I wish there was maybe more of her. Kind oh, of there's plenty yeah, more. Yeah, okay. there's plenty more. Throw she joins the ship. You, yep. She joins your crew. So okay. she, you got plenty more of her uh, calling you dusty. Though, uh, if you want, I can't seem to get her to take a damn shower. And Supervisor Lynn needs. Is, yeah, is constantly she's just how she rolls, dirty. man. Straight out the mines and doesn't seem to care. Um, so who are yeah. your characters? What is your background? What did you make? Uh, I picked, um, let's see, I picked Homesteader as the background, which I just went for because of the starting skills, basically. What mm-hmm. does that get Although, you? So you, we should say you get three, you can pick three traits 
All right, for your so yeah, you pick you pick a background which is mandatory, and then you can pick three optional traits, but you yeah. don't have to take any of those because they all to, right? they're kind of all they all have pros and cons, or they all are a trade off basically. Anyone else um, take the dream house besides me? No, I thought about that one. Okay, uh, the traits I took are I took adoring fan. Okay, which yeah is a trip. Um, I took uh, parents. The, the downside, of, only downside of adoring fan is that the guy might annoy you, right? He'll like right. pop up and he's pretty annoying, okay. honestly. But also, he's just a member of your crew, so I could just I just unassigned him from my ship. Okay, and I haven't seen him in a while, but I mainly picked it because it said like, yeah, he's annoying, but at least he'll bring you gifts. And I was like, well, more items is better, so give me that. Hmm. Um, I took parents, which is the description is basically. Your parents are still alive and you can go visit them, but you have to send home 2% of your money every month or every week. Right. Uh, but I, now I can go hang out with my parents whenever I want. And they gave me grandma's power armor recently. Oh, okay. Okay. Which is, which is the best armor I found in the game so far. So I guess that money paid off. Okay. Uh, and then I took one of the religious ones, which is basically just like, hey, there's an item, a chest full of items at the church you can go get, which was useless. Okay. Do, you, do you worship at the church of the giant snake? The giant no, snake can, you, can, you can't. Yes, that is an option. I don't, I don't can, know. Can you join that one? I don't you know. You can Hopefully. join that okay. one. Okay, so that's like good to hear. Maybe we'll get into it more. Like, There's not like a ton of variation in the main story. I guess all of their Bethesda games are like this. Like, There's not a ton of choice to be made in like the main story quests. But hearing you can align yourself with the I insane, I don't insane know. space cultists. Well, that was, was one of the traits was that okay. you can say you were raised by the people in the house of whatever the fuck, oh, uh, whatever. The, the house of Varun. Varun, Varun yeah. Okay, raised, Back in the day, they were by. just another snake cult, but now look at them. <laughs> yes. Raised by. Okay. So that maybe that, yeah. that sounds like raised by, but maybe escaped. So maybe that's not as, as aligned with the evil space cultists as I thought. But anyway. So Alex, what, 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 yeah, what kind what, of characters do you guys have? Uh, so my I, I took the dream house, uh, which is funny because... They give you a house. It's on one of the kind of like edge of the the star system you start in, uh, like planets, and you go there. And basically, there are two things you have to do: you have to pay off the mortgage, uh, and if you, <laughs> you don't took make a your, damn mortgage, oh, that's right. They treats? give you a mortgage. <laughs> yes, yeah. that's part of the. I remember that's part of the description. It's like you get a dream house, but it has a bad news. It has a mortgage. It has to be paid weekly. It's like one hundred twenty five thousand credits total, or something. So, uh, and. I was like, well, I'm a new homeowner, so I should do that. Uh-huh. Uh, and so you have to pay that off. And if you don't pay it on time, they won't take the house from you, but they won't let you in until you make the next payment. Huh. Okay. All right. Um, and when you go there for the first time, it's totally, it's basically totally empty. So you kind of, I think you can kind of uh, kit it out over time. Okay. Um, I forget kind of, I, I, there was one I know I got that was like, uh, you were raised in traits though i can't remember exactly which one it was i think it might have been the the united colonies like you were raised okay. in the united colonies you have some affinity for them and i forget what the third trait was it wasn't anything that interesting but my character is a uh, gram o'dope gram uh gram he's a he's a space hesher canadian okay. okay uh you know third generation immigrant in uh, canada originally irish his, his uh, grandparents are irish but uh you know but uh, let's just say raised in uh in kitchener Lived in Brampton for a while, moved on to the stars. Uh-huh. Uh, all he really likes doing is, uh, you know, drinking some Molson and, uh, you know, doing some hard work. Also, he's a space trucker. I was uh, just, I was just, I was going to, I had to ask, surely you picked space trucker of for this. Of course I did. What else would I do? I don't remember what background I picked for my character, though. Maybe it was a military. 
I might have. Was there a military mm, one? Are there is like, a military um, option. There's a bunch of different kind of violence oriented ones because there's like bounty hunter. Well, um, is that a background or is that a trait? Uh, that's a background. That's okay. That's there, the one I like picked a, then. Um, there's like a kind of cyber runner one, I think. Oh, that's right. I think uh, I picked bounty hunter. X oh, bounty hunter. Oh, Ronin, I did not pick Ronin. Ronin is, is one. Yeah. I picked bounty hunter and then I picked, I have a bounty on my head as the trait, uh, okay. which I think gets you like extra damage when you're low on health, but also occasionally people will come to collect that bounty. See, which, I, man, which I did have. I don't know if this happened to everybody. I did have two two freaking gigantic ships pull up, and we're like, we're here for the bounty. And it was, <laughs> so far, that has not happened to me because I don't have any bounties. Yeah, me, me either. Or oh, it did. It did happen to me once, but for a different reason because of something I had done, which um, was kind of cool. So the, I'll say this weird story breaking thing is you they never say i have a bounty on me when i go to the, like the un the interesting yeah there's like oh no you're clear you have no bounties on you but this thing i maybe it's because it's like a black market bounty i don't know like i don't yeah. have to clear any bounties it's not an official one I, I've, I've run into similar stuff you get scanned for contraband every time you enter like civilized orbit orbit <laughs> yeah. of a civilized planet and I have a quest right now that requires me to fly around with some contraband. Uh-huh. And I was like, well, fuck, do I have to go do this quest immediately? And can I just not go anywhere now? But then at the end of the quest giver dialogue, they were like, oh, by the way, we registered that contraband with with, with the militia. Like, you're Uh-oh. fine. They're so not going to pick it up. Again, they just kind of write their way out of their own rules when it's convenient. So so uh, that's kind of the setup there. Like, the three, the three traits you can pick all have negative effects, but they all have something kind of positive. It's very... Yeah, except, you know, for, except for the religious ones, as far as I could tell. Like, those were the only ones. The only downside was you can only take one of them. You can't do two oh, religions right. at the same time. But Locks, those, those yeah. don't have some, like, money drain or somebody showing up to kill you, at least yet. Uh, and then you kind of... It sounds like we're all, we all got funneled into the starting story, which was the mining... Uh, you're on some some rock mining uh, for a contract. Find the artifact. Have a vision, a uh, very star child like vision, two thousand one ish thing. And then you pass out, and then immediately the kind of mining installations under attack. And there's a guy there fr- from uh, Constellation who is there to collect both the artifact and then you is like, yeah. hey, you had this vision. Guess what? You can come join us. And it, it's all pretty fast at that point, going from touching the artifact to being in Constellation. It's, I was wondering, I mean, like Bethesda games have a certain, I don't want to say formula to them at the beginning, but there's always, you know, there's there's a self-contained tutorial-ish thing, and then you open a big door, right? Yes. Oh there's my gosh. always the walk out of a cave or open a big vault door, and there's the entire game in front of you. They get to that, like, big open a door thing in, like, 20 minutes. Yeah, it's not and, long. And, and then you have your own ship about 10 minutes after that. It's, they do not waste time. Also, the open a door thing is very funny. Like, I will give it to them. At first, I, was, I sighed, and then I was like, all right, look, it's not a vault, but it's basically a vault yeah, door. Yeah, it, it is. Although, it's funny, though, because, like, it really illustrates what's different about this game, because that big, grand opening the door to go outside moment. Yeah opens onto a tiny, tiny little map with <laughs> totally. like three buildings on it and that's it. Yeah. And then you have to get in the ship and fly away. Like that's <laughs> you're looking at nothing in terms of the scope of the game. No. When you go out there and like that's kind of the the big thing that stuck with me that's different so far is how compartmentalized everything is in this game. Actually, let me start let me step back for a second. Yeah. They made one of those games. Like yes. we should we should be very clear. Like I I assume nobody listening to this was really expecting otherwise, but like they have not remade their formula. Like if you've played Fallout 3 and 4, Skyrim, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. like 
the way the NPCs animate, mm-hmm. the types of like scripting and pathing bugs you might see, mm-hmm. the encumbrance stuff, mm-hmm. the dialogue tree option type you, you know what i mean like the, the, zoom every, in on the, every, the way everything. every character like, stares you dead in the fucking eye when they're in a talking to you in a cutscene. yeah like it, it is it is that like they they did that again i'm like that's fine you know I, I wasn't expecting anything different but um obviously it's the space exploration stuff that differentiates this um so so yeah like it, it feels very compartmentalized like that's the thing after a few hours of playing it i was kind of surprised like, I didn't know how connected everything was going to be. Like, do you go get in your ship and just, like, yeah. hit thrusters and manually fly out into space and set paths and stuff? But it's it's extremely, like, fast travel oriented. Mm-hmm. And everywhere you go feels like a self-contained map, even though you might be on a big open planet. It still feels like a localized area that you... I've seen, uh, based off of leaks, I've seen people saying you actually can't leave, like, boundaries of the landing locations. You can't walk across an entire planet if you want. Not so that you would want to. It was funny, right, right before this, I was kind of trying to yeah. see how far I could walk. Uh, I, I could the, walk a decent ways, because there is plan, planet exploration, and you can yeah, land like in the wilderness for yeah. Yeah. stuff like that. But Like, one of the early things is that, you know, they, they you have to go do something near Earth's moon, and the lady's like, well, you know, if you want to go hang out on the moon for a bit, you can go do that. There's no yeah. objective there. So I did that. I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to go bounce around on the moon for a minute. And they let you go a decent ways around yeah. the moon before it kind of says, hey, uh, get back on your ship. But like, yeah, I don't know. Like, it, it seems like there's a decent amount of exploration and freedom, though. Again, it is carp- compartmentalized in a way that is not like it's not no man's sky pole to pole no. type stuff. Yeah. So the way it works and the thing, the, the, the two things to know are there's no flight and atmosphere. There's no like mm-hmm. you, you can't f- fly down onto a planet and then fly around the planet. Right. Like manual flying is only in space. If you go down to a planet, your ship Look- is stuck, stuck to the ground. Yeah, you're loading um, into a landing spot. Yes. The, the other thing to know is they basically auto-generate a landing spot. when you So you can pick any planet on a, or any, sorry, you can pick any point on a planet surface you want to land on. Mostly. Some are restricted, but yes, generally, yeah. yes. Generally, like, yeah. you know, you can cover 99% of a planet, but they're kind of, they seem to be basically sort of auto-generating a smaller map when you land there. And they're mm-hmm. going to put, like, points of interest scattered around like a Bethesda game would, where you've got... It's not a compass, it's your little hand scanner, so they kind of pop up in your view, but it's like, there's a cave 900 clicks that way, and yeah. a abandoned, abandoned outpost, or abandoned outpost 500 clicks the other way, and yeah. they just seem to generate a map and pepper those randomly around when you land, so, so you can go down there and explore what they have auto-generated, but there's no, there's no I'm going to land on one point of this planet and fly or walk all the way around to the other side of it. Which is interesting, because the point I'm at now... Because you talked about contraband, so I'll say I picked. I just happened to pick up some contraband this morning from a place. First, my first contraband I ever picked up, and I entered entered uh, a planet, a solar system, where they scanned you. Uh, and as soon as they started scanning me, we'll get into some of these other systems in just a second. But it said, "Hey, zero percent chance to ev- to evade the scan." So I was like, "Ah, crap!" So I immediately, it's they started. They're like, "Hold skill, you're scanning." I immediately opened the fast travel menu, picked the planet. And tried to land at the main port, and it wouldn't. I said, "No, you can't do this until you've been scanned." And I immediately picked another point on the planet that was like civilian outpost, and I was like, "Okay," and landed there. Was hoping that I could walk to the place I need to go. It sounds like I probably won't. The other thing is, the civilians wouldn't buy my contraband. I was hoping to just sell it because the contraband's worth a lot of money. Interesting. It's like fifteen thousand credits for this piece of contraband I have. I was like, "Great, I'll maybe." 
this guy knows it's contraband and won't buy it, but they did, it didn't come up in the dialogue. It just didn't come up for selling. Well, the trade authority is like very openly a bunch of crooks, so <laughs> yes. I'm pretty sure they will be just fine buying whatever you've got. But And I did find a trade authority kiosk in on some floating space stations that don't seem to scan you. So this game, I'm going to take another step back because it's probably a good point to say this game has a lot of systems in it mm-hmm. and also seems to have, while it might have a lot going on in it, I don't know about the depth of some of it yet because you know i'm still for the amount you seems like you can do in it i can't say because again i'm only like 12 12 ish hours in 12 plus hours in like how deep they all go i've done a lot of different things that have gotten me different tiers of loot from doing them like hey i just stumbled upon this base i'm gonna go inside and there are some space pirates in there or uh what's the um it's the organized, the one that Barrett hates, uh, the the group that is harassing Barrett the entire time. There's Crimson Fleet are the Crimson kind of Fleet, like, yeah. mm-hmm. kind of loosely organized pirates. Yeah. Um, there's, there's also the how, Spacers. That space, seems like yeah. a loose. Spacers, yeah. I think, are just sort of generic criminals that operate on their own. And Crimson Fleet is like kind of loosely a military, but they're pirates. And then yeah. there's the, space, the snake cult people. Yeah, House, House of Rune are the insane, like, the serpent will swallow you all. We're going to murder you type yeah. people. So I think that's mo- that's most of the villainous factions that I've seen. I, I mean, I assume at some point you could probably be in bad status with the uh, the military. You know, the mm-hmm. the official like post Earth military. Yeah. Um, the, or the friendly, the, yeah, just just as we're rattling them off, the friendly factions are the United Colonies, which is like the remnants of Earth. Earth is uninhabitable. Yeah. So they have colonized primarily Alpha Centauri, but also some other places. So you see, is the like buttoned up militarized kind of high society faction free star collective is a bunch of wild west space libertarians mm-hmm, right in literal in literal cowboy hats <laughs> with literal like sheriff star badges on their jackets who still want to scam me for uh, contraband though yeah well you know yeah uh, yeah it's, yes that actually now that you mention it that seems very at odds with their ideology but uh look, anyway so yeah so um, you know i think that's it are there other that's what i've encountered yet? so far that's all i've encountered that's, so those far. are the only main two good guy like the friendly factions i've seen so the systems they have in place um i'm trying to think of things that are just slightly different than or that i haven't encountered in other bethesda fallout uh um skyrim style stuff there's this seems new and you guys correct me if I'm wrong. There seems to be a kind of dice roll persuasion system going on, uh, for, uh, checks for basically sounds like persuasion checks when you're dealing with certain characters, uh, negotiating, trying to convince people. Uh, it's a, I don't think I fully understand what's happening behind the scenes quite yet, though. I have dumped some points into my upgrade tree for it already to be like, Hey, you got a 20% better chance of, of passing these but seems to be say i were talking to brad and it's going to put me into this kind of um uh persuasion dialogue tree thing right like hey you have a thing this person doesn't want to do see if you can persuade them they'll give me four options let's say for example one will say plus one next to it one will say plus two one will say plus five in total i have to have a plus six to persuade brad mm-hmm. so it seems like getting the plus one has an easier chance. Getting the plus five has a has a a, a a significantly less chance of happening. And again, within three strikes, you're out. Rules. It feels like I need to get a plus six. Yeah, you have four four chances to respond, right? Uh, is that is it always four, or I is it just? 
the ones I've done has always been like four pips on the okay. timeline. So um, I think you just have to successfully get plus six within four chances. And if you get a plus one or if you get a positive, it doesn't take away a chance. So you can kind of keep rolling or it seems like you okay. can keep rolling with that. Um, I think, I don't know. I fully don't understand yeah, it. Pers- I have pers- convinced because I don't know what's, they don't give you like, hey, you have a 3% chance of getting this thing. Yeah, so I think most of the systems I'm trying to think through that I've seen tutorials for are like easy enough to get your head around, but Persuasion I think is the most obtuse one where they just barely, they give you like one little pop-up the first time you do it that barely explains it, and then yeah, you're just kind of like left fumbling. I I just Googled, I Grain Assault, this is like 30 seconds of research, I think Fallout 4 did have Persuasion. It did? Okay. But I, I didn't play a ton of it. I, I also fell off after like 12, 15 hours of Fallout 4. It looks like in f- in that game, it was based on like your charisma stat and some other stuff like that that it was checking against. Okay. But that actually makes me realize this game does not have stat allocation. Like this doesn't do special the way that Fallout does. You're just, it's it's entirely skill-based as far as I can tell. Like the skill tree, you just get a, you get a skill point every time you level up and there are a bajillion skills. I mean, like oh my I, gosh. I think it's five categories of skills. Yeah, like five four trees, to, basically. I think, I, think, I think it's five categories, four rows per category, and yes. four to five skills per row, and each skill has four levels. Yes. Yeah, so tiers within it. Shitload of stuff to unlock with skill points, but that's the entirety of, and there is a persuasion skill. There is straight up. Yeah. I've dropped a it. point into it. Uh, yeah. And that one is just literally every tier of it is just an extra 10% chance to pass persuasion checks. So the interesting thing with that is we're talking about some of the mechanics here. So- it's got, you know, this is this is kind of old school Bethesda, or I, I don't know when they stopped doing this, but say you drop a point into ballistic guns, right? Your your ballistic guns. To unlock the next tier, it'll be like, hey, you've got to kill 20 people with a ballistic weapon to unlock the ability to do the next tier within that thing. So same thing happens with, like, the jetpack, right? So it's like, hey, you drop a point into your jetpack. You want to get 20% more fuel efficiency. You've got to use the jetpack 20 times. So you wind up in the kind of Morrowind style. Oh, I'm just gonna jump. <laughs> I'm just gonna get out of this menu mm-hmm. and just jump 20 times, yep. Yep. Uh, and then go back into this menu and drop. Or you know, the points don't come that quickly, at least for me yet. Like I've maybe dropped in four or five points at this point in in 12ish hours. Have they been I, that's about how many I feel like I've done in less than that. Yeah, okay. I'm I'm, a, I'm level 15 at, at where I'm at. Okay, and it's one point per level. So okay, I think I'm only like level eight or so interesting well if you've been doing a lot of exploring and not a lot of quest completion i have been just been it yeah i've been scanning a lot oh yeah no man's skying quests would give you quite a bit of xp okay um scanning and like discovering new locations and stuff does not no it's like 20 yeah Uh, yeah so i don't know if you get any xp for complete sorry this this conversation (laughs) is gonna be all over the place because there's so goddamn much in this game yeah uh that it's hard to focus on any one thing. It's got No Man's Sky scanning. They've shown that before. Yeah. Like each planet has got X number of flora and fauna and resources to scan. Uh, I've only completed one planet, the starting moon. That you're you did on. the whole thing. You got a hundred percent on it. Crete, I think is the name of it. Yes. I, I did every, everything to scan on there. Okay. All it gets. Well, let's see. So you get a thing, you get like a bundle of data that you can sell for a lot of money after you scan a planet. Okay. I think it also, planets have traits, and the traits are not known until you have finished scanning everything. Okay. But I don't, I've never completed a planet. 
like you'll see it when you when you go to land on a planet or scan it from orbit or whatever it'll show like here's the elements that are here here's the climate type and other hazards and stuff and then at the bottom if it has traits it'll have little question marks where the traits go oh i've seen the question marks yeah yeah yeah, but you don't know what those are until you finish scanning everything and i i've I've only done it once so i couldn't really tell you what the planetary traits are (laughs) uh so the, the yeah the scanning is kind of interesting. It is it feels very No Man's Sky where if you want to scan a particular thing and and put it into your compendium, let's say, for vernacular sake, um, you have to scan a certain number of those particular items on the planet. So say there are dogs on the planet, you might have to scan seven dogs to get the full entry. And once you scan one, you can't scan it again, obviously. Or mm-hmm seven of this tree so you scan it and then it's like oh okay you're 13 percent complete now go scan a few more of them uh so that you know that feels no man's sky ish you know where you're just kind of scanning everything you come across there is a scanner mode there are upgrades of course for the scanner you can get a zoom on the scanner that's one of the last ones i just got as i was scanning everything um and there is an abundance of crap to pick up oh yeah it is Okay, I don't know how much of picking up stuff you guys are doing, but that has been most of my. I've been doing less of lot. it lately. It's a lot, and I also I, mean, I, I I go through that with every one of their games. Where at first I'm picking up literally everything. I'm like, oh, I got to sell it all. I need money, and then you you, you start realizing a you start realizing what is and is not really worth picking yes. up for either use or sale. The other thing is encumbrance is the biggest problem I've had in this game so far. Yeah, um, it's obnoxious. Yes. Uh, so, so, so you have to you have to restrict yourself. So, okay. So, I'll, I'll say. Let me talk about this for a minute. So, they immediately make apparent where that money could go because unlike other Bethesda games, where I'm like, or like Fallout or even Skyrim, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with that money, but I want to have it for later. This is immediately apparent because you can buy new ships right out of the gate. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to their to their credit, they do not lock all the new ship stuff up at all. No, you are, you are immediately are at a ship vendor within like, I would say half hour into this game. You can talk to a ship vendor. You can also upgrade your ship parts. Uh, the other thing is, uh, you can spend money on outposts. You can, you can kind of, uh, buy materials to make bases in, in other, uh, on other planets to mine resources and do all, do all sorts of things. Uh, you also can spend money on crew to, to purchase crew. So, there's plenty of places to sink your money. I'm not like picking up every coffee cup, but I am trying to pick up weapons, which will get like, you know, a couple hundred bucks here and spacesuits, which sometimes could be a thousand or so dollars. You, while you're looting around, you can throw stuff immediately. Okay. You can take on items. You loot a guy, you take everything. And then from your inventory, you can open up your ship's inventory. And you can send stuff to the cargo hold of your ship from there. Yeah. You can also you can also through another mechanic through talking to a companion, put stuff on them to carry around. Yeah, this is. I'm trying to think back. Fallout Three, Four, Oblivion, et cetera, et cetera. I th- this feels like the most companion focused game they have done. You've got like, companions right out of the gate here. Right yeah. out of yes. the gate. Right out of the gate. Not only do they join your crew, but one is like on you <laughs> by default. They don't even yeah. ask you like, hey, do you want this character to roll around with you? They are just there until you opt out of it. Which um, I was a little confused by at first being like the, the distinction between crew and companion. But it, that, yeah, that is confusing also. So I'm still on the starting ship because ships are very expensive. And my, I believe that starting ship says crew capacity one, right? Am I not? I think it's not wrong. Two. Right? I thought it said two. It two? I, yeah, because so, I thought it said two, but I have more people on my ship than that. 
Totally. I've got like, I've had four on that tiny ass ship, which I don't know. There's only one cot. I don't know how everybody's, and there's no bathroom that I've noticed either, Mm -hmm. but. I had to dock um, with another ship to use their bed to get some health back because somebody because Lynn yeah. wouldn't get out of the yes. damn bed. Right. <laughs> um, my guess I, I haven't confirmed this because I'm not deep enough in yet, but my guess is crew means how many people you can assign to work systems on the ship. I think that's correct. Yes, because each can, person has a specialty. Like uh, yeah. I think Vasco, Ever, Vasco, the robot. Yeah, is like energy like, weapons and yeah. Yeah. And some of them, some of them have much less combat focused and more like research or mining or ship outpost management type skills. Yes. So, um, that's my guess. You can have, you can have multiple passengers, but only crew for whatever you have slots for. Um, yes. So, but then there's one companion. There's one like, Oh, you're going to roll around with me. Though the robot always seems to hang out in front of the ship. And so if you're uh, really, Oh man, I got to put him back. Oh man. So like, the fucking adoring fan showed up and booted the robot off my crew and I have not had the robot since I should probably get the robot back. He, he, he's great. He'll, well, he'll stand in front of the ship. Usually every time I, I land the ship and then sometimes if I'm being chased by stuff, he'll engage in combat, even though he's not a companion because stuff is right next to him. Um, okay. I look, I'm going, going to get, going to get Vasco again, then I don't Does anyone necessi- else get like a real Carl Sagan thing from him. Like robo Carl Sagan, <laughs> from, like from something about robot? his voice delivery, especially the way he says could- billions. <laughs> it really it was like, Oh, you're could, doing a thing here. Aren't I you? could see that. Like they, I think they've been pretty upfront about their influences. Like, didn't they use the term NASA punk? So that's one of the things I want game. to talk about here. It's like, <sighs> there's a, there's a ton of like real world space and exploration type influence in this. Yeah. My thing with this game, which uh, there's two things. One of them is that I find this game not necessarily obnoxiously so, but like a little bit disappointingly uh, milk toast in terms of the way that its characters are written and kind of the, the way the universe is sort of like presented to you. It's there are like, you know, slightly darker things like snake cults and, you know, space pirates that want to murder you and shit like that going around. But a lot of the people you talk to, there is this incredible gee whiz, you know, gosh, mister kind of fucking like wide eyed optimism, I guess, is the way to to phrase it. And I don't mind that necessarily, but it just feels very edgeless. A lot of what they are doing with their storytelling and their their presentation, like. I find the term NASA punk really annoying because NASA is not punk. It's literally a government agency. But what they are doing with like, you know, hey, we're creating technology that looks like it could have spawned out of the visual style of what old NASA space shuttles and things like that look like. The first time you pull up that console on your ship and there's like a thousand buttons and screens and all that Mm -hmm. stuff, it's all very tactile. Like, that's cool. But the problem is, I feel like they're also treating their story with this very much like, look at the endless possibilities of space. Look at all the wonderful things we could do if we could just, you know, find these artifacts and find the solve the mystery of the universe and all that. And it's just a little grating to me because it feels like they are going out of their way to make this as. Like, it's not just exploration. It's that the exploration is the thing. There isn't, re- it doesn't feel like there's a lot of other texture to this universe. I, I, I mostly agree with you so far. Like, I'm sure I'm there's more to, that I haven't seen yet. I'm, I'm just saying to, those opening hours feel very much. Yeah, I, I was extremely there for the first dozen hours or so and still mostly am there. Like, I'm trying to think on some stuff that's happened that's more interesting. Like, I will say the companions, if you roll around with one for long enough, they'll eventually just be like, hey, we should talk. 
and they at least have some depth to them. Like they at least have backstories and some, some tragedy in their pasts or whatever. So there is some depth there, but yeah, like most, most of the writing and the character interactions has been like extremely straightforward. I should say not just straightforward, but in sometimes like, and especially in the early goings when you're getting introduced to new people, it is an endless cavalcade of people literally just stating their personality traits out loud to you. Like when you meet that fucking CEO guy who's part of your uh, thing, he's just like, yeah, you know, I'm the CEO of this company and uh, I'm the resident grumpy old man around here. And it's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. OK, why would fucking it, it just it feels like they're trying to get these establishing well, foundations of who all these people are out of the way as, po- I, as quick yeah, as possible. Like, like I, I, I don't know. I, this comes to mind just because I talked to the dude again this morning, but I did a side quest for like a highfalutin rarity collector who like quite literally as part of his dialogue was just like i don't work up a sweat i leave the labor to the people who serve me <laughs> yeah. okay, all right, that's pretty that's, that's pretty to the point the, I, I think the writing in this game is falls flat a lot for me uh i mean i'm sure there's tons of it so I chalk the constellation up to being constellation is a self-selecting bunch of kind of losers. So like they're, you know, they're, you know, I'd I'd say less losers and more like valedictorian, valedictorian style nerds. Let's just say toothless, right? Like they're um, like, if you're getting that vibe, everybody in there is just kind of like, um, okay. Yes. Losers is a, is a very mean way to say it and cynical. Let's say like my uh, character is a loser, but that's by design, well, but like what I, what starry I mean is eyed like, and like, uh, like wonders of space and they're, you know, they're like, they're like yeah, they're, they're like overachievers. Yeah. They're, oh, they're kind of. a overachievers, but also they have a very, um, optimistic view of the universe and like they're, they're, it's beautiful. And like, look, I actually really like rolling with Barrett. He's my favorite character Barrett, to roll with Barrett's so far. Pretty entertaining. Because he's kind of like. He's the closest thing to this, like, I don't know, the, the universe kind of sucks, but I just roll with it. And, like, I uh, I just get myself, I, I rolled with, I think, Sarah is her name, who's, like, yeah, the leader for a while. And she lady. was She was too much for me. Um, it, All the characters there are kind of cliches. Barrett seems kind of cool. I, the more I roll with Barrett, the more I'm like, I think you're sticking in my party. Um, He's also, he's, like, good in a fight. So, like, he's he, he's all right there. I got the sense that I went to some other places there's a trade, what's it called? The trade federation, trade, uh, trade authorities. Are your there are some darker places that are doing things in the universe, yeah. but also I haven't hit the space horror yet. Maybe it is there. Maybe it's not. I haven't hit the dark brotherhood part of the, uh, of this game yet, but I'm with you, Alex. And just like, everything does seem a little like, Oh, like the quests you do on that main planet are range from like, I need ingredients to make my drink for the bar to like, yeah. you know, can you go help the military scan some scanners? And it's like, okay, well, there's a lot of fetching of quests on here. I, I, I get that they are filling, like they have a lot of content they need to fill out in this, you know, universe, which as compartmentalized as it is, does feel fairly big. Like there are a lot of places you can go and things sure. you can do. Yeah. But I think it's not just that it's, it's kind of aw shucks. It's that it feels like there just isn't much dimension beyond that. Again, in those early goings. And I think my, my, my bigger problem is that I was hoping, if not the story, then at least from a mechanical perspective, enough of what they were doing differently here would get me over the hump of not really liking the way that Bethesda makes these games, not loving the combat systems, not really enjoying like the the way that you sort of interact with characters in those games. I, I've always had a problem with them. I've just never found them that interesting. And 
the one thing I think they do separate do well, and when they separate themselves out, is that I think when you are in space, when you are in your ship, and you are doing stuff, and especially when you go to a place for the first time, they are really good at framing and presenting stuff with a appropriate level of grandeur. The first time you go to the solar system, which is you know our solar system, and they kind of bop you around, you know, that some of the different planets in the solar system, and kind of let you know like what the status of stuff is. Like some of those moments really pop. Like it's like, mm. oh fuck yeah! The first time you go into Neptune, and it's like you have to creep up on this satellite uh, while these fucking snake yes. cultists are wandering around, and you have it's to like, not get get noticed. It's like is really cool. It's like a spaceship stealth mission. Yeah, and then when yeah. you dock with that space station that's been abandoned for the first time, that's also really cool. Like, there's yeah. there's some really like, great visual design, and the ship mechanics actually feel really good. Yeah. Did you... Sorry. sorry, go ahead. Did you did you get the skill that... They, they lock what you would think would be core mechanics behind skills, although generally it's the first skill on the tree, so it's just one point, but there's a skill for... Uh, t- like targeting mode, I think they call it. So you can lock onto other ships, specific systems. Did you get that yet? So I haven't I, gotten that yet, but I didn't need it yet. I did so not like that, do a disable or subsystem ship thing yet either. Yeah. So like that, that skill lets you, and it goes into slow-mo also. Uh, and you don't even have to target it. Like you just pick them off a menu and it mm-hmm. auto targets for you, but you can like lock onto a ship, go into this like slow-mo targeting mode and then pick like, I want to shoot out their engines or their laser cannon or their grav drive. So they can't jump away type stuff. So like, yeah, that stuff gets really fun of like, I'm going to try to surgically take their engines out and then go around behind them so I can dock with them and then take all of their stuff. Yeah. Uh, boredom, shoot everybody, take yeah. their stuff. Like the space stuff is, is fairly cool. It I, is. I and both visually and mechanically, I think it works really well. I think the rest of it is just not doing it for me the same way that other Bethesda stuff does not. I think the gun combat is occasionally fine, but mostly very boring. I think that every character I've met so far, with the exception of, of Barrett and your robot, I've not really done anything for me in terms of, like, I want to keep talking to this person or understand anything about them. And every time I meet a new person in some new area, it's it, it feels like just getting the same version of the same conversation <laughs> where they just explain to you everything about the place you're on right now in the most plain-spoken terms possible. And it just feels like, okay, no, I hit the... I, be, I might as well have just gone to an info kiosk. You know what it's, I mean? Their dialogue system feels like a checklist. Like you're just you're just yeah. checking. It doesn't feel like a conversation. And part of that has, I think, maybe de- is part of the presentation problem. They do the same thing where you're like pro, like mugshot style on the character, and then you just. But it also is like some of the flow of it, where you go through this whole line of dialogue, and then the character resets back to their state, and you go through the next line of dialogue. So like. You can talk to a character about the tragedy in their lives and be like, yeah, I was really upset by this. I, you know, this whole thing. And then be like, and then you'll go like, what's your favorite food? And like, I love ice cream. Ice cream is fantastic. You know, there's no flow to the dialogue. And it, yeah, sometimes it feels like in a dialogue tree, I'm just trying to make everything gray, right? Let me just get through everything and make yes. everything gray. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm mostly where I'm at. Like the, the, the most of the, a lot of the character interactions just feel kind of flat. Like, like I just did, I did a very long side, like weirdly long side quests that required going back and forth a bunch to kill spacers and then more spacers um where it, it was a free star base so basically the free star and the uc like just finished a war like some years before this which everybody has lost somebody in every character has a yes. tragic part yes of their story. and so this is a free star base that's <clears throat> excuse me been overrun by spacers and a uc detachment has shown up to save them basically and so like there's some good ideas there about like these people all supposedly hate each other but this and, and the commander 
the commander of this UC force turns out to be awesome. Like she is like extremely morally resolute and is just like, they're just soldiers. They're just sold soldiers getting paid to be shot at the same as I am. Like, I'm not going to leave them to die. Um, so like that, that's actually like probably the best character work I've seen so far. But even at the end of that, when everything settles and like the free star commander is right next to the, the UC commander, like there's not a lot of like back and forth or interplay or much done with that concept of, these are just soldiers, no matter who they're fighting for, right. working together type stuff. Like it, it just, it was a cool idea that again, sort of concluded in a, a pretty flat way. I will, a, a funny thing about their, their dialogue system is they do transpose that onto ships where they will freeze the ship yes. <laughs> in, in their mm-hmm. ship mug shot <laughs> with then awesome. with then the, the lines of dialogue. And so it's got that like <laughs> just ship frozen there. And you're like, all right, now just talk to the ship. Yeah, uh, but I I do like the space stuff too. I think I I agree with all of those complaints about the dialogue stuff, the ship and space stuff for me. And I don't have a good solution for this. But going back to what you said before, Brad, everything is so compartmentalized that it doesn't feel contiguous. Like it doesn't feel like I went from this planet into yeah. the ship, into space, flew to this other planet yes. to the to the point where. You can just fast travel from planet to planet, really, if you just yes. want to do that and skip that part. But I kind of want to be in space. I want to yes. lift yeah. off. I totally. wish. I absolutely wish you had more of an option to fly around manually and set courses manually and like a drop out of grav drive in the middle yeah. of interstellar space and just hang there if you wanted or or like or like uh, go into like if you set even if you're within a solar system or you're not going to initiate your grav drive, which is basically your light speed uh, flight. You, it's not like you say, "Hey, go to this planet," and then you can't just walk around your ship or something like that. Like it's kind of what I want to do. I don't know why, but I want to say, "Like, okay, look, I set the course we're going. Now I'm going to go talk to my crew members while I do a thing yes. in the background." I, I'm with you, or like I want some busy work to go do. I need to go yeah. like repair an, an electro rifle while we're getting yes. there, or something. I, yeah, I know exactly. I I wanted some of that same stuff out of No Man's Sky and didn't quite like. You want Mass Effect? Like all you want is like. <laughs> To be on the Normandy, except you get to tell the Normandy where to go and then go talk to people and do stuff while you're getting there. Which is, I feel like it's a little confused in places. And this isn't the only place where sometimes I feel like the game is a little confused because they do have things on the ship where they have seats and stuff. And when you sit in it, it's like, how long do you want to wait? And it's like, well, if I were going to a planet and I needed to kill five hours while I go there, I would definitely just wait now, right? But I don't have to do that. I just quick load to the planet. So that what I wind up doing is if I'm low on health, I just sleep for an hour, right? Like yeah. I just do mm-hmm. the minimum. I get all my health back. Uh, and you get and the well-rested bonus. That gets yeah. You ex- bonus XP. And it's not like I haven't found any other occasion to make time go by. Like I haven't reached anything where it's like, oh, nighttime is better for this or you have to do. So I almost feel like the game maybe had that system travel in it. And they were like, this is tedious. Let's just take that away and just fast travel. They, they really seem like a lot of stuff is pretty well thought out in the game in terms of like kind of planetary mechanics and orbital stuff and everything. And like, I wouldn't be surprised if there are spots. Cause like I said, every, every planet has got like a climate rating, a hazard level, you know, like, Oh, this yeah. one is there's extra radiation here, or this one is like toxic super cold or, yeah. or toxic or whatever. Like I wouldn't be shocked at all. If like, on a hot planet, you can wait until night and the temperature goes ways down. And, Interesting. And it's less hazardous. I wouldn't be the slightest bit surprised if there's something like that. They thought through all the time stuff quite well, which I assume is all being handled dynamically because there's a, there's a UT, a universal time. Right. And on any planet you're on, you get both the UT time and the local time. 
and so they maybe spell the time that stuff, stuff will come into play more. Yeah. Um, like, like they, they spell that stuff out pretty pretty well. Like you know they've they've talked about like oh our the, the lighting on planets is based on the atmosphere composition and stuff like okay that stuff in in practice is pretty cool because every planet has like No Man's Sky is cool but there's a little bit of that cliche of like okay what color is the sky and what color is the grass on this planet you know right. it's like everything like the planets all look like they're sort of popped out of a mold or a lot of not all of them but a lot of them have a like, lot oh, of you know they, the ones I've seen anyway. Of course, granted, a lot of the planets in this are just very rocky. Yeah, that's, they're also very similar in that respect, but that's at least a bit more of a nod toward realism, I guess. But like the general look of the planets has been pretty diverse in this, I yeah. find, in, in a way that's been nice. But yeah, again, there's not is, much to do there. I think this is probably the best looking Bethesda game I've played so far. Like the people don't always look amazing, mm. especially when they are staring you dead in the eye and you just have nothing to do but like really take in, you know, the level of detail in their face. But a lot of the environments, a lot of the cities, the ship stuff, the in-space stuff, like all that stuff has a real nice sheen and polish to it, which is to say that also there is some jank in this game, but I don't feel like a lot of it, for me at least, has been visual. It's more just been stuff like... You know, a person I'm talking to in a cutscene is not facing me, you know, <laughs> totally. or yes. a uh, character that, wandered into the middle of my cutscene and so their face kind of got halfway chunked into yes, it, that kind of stuff. That's that's kind of the pathing stuff I was touching on before. Uh, I mean, it's worth saying, at least I, I can't speak for you guys, but most of what I've played was prior to the day one patch that just rolled out yesterday or the day before at the time of this recording. So I put a bunch of time. I I saw a lot of bugs that may not be in the final game. I'm not mm. sure, but I have definitely seen some bugs. Like the scripting in a main story quest broke on me like three hours into the game where a character was supposed to lead me somewhere. And when I concluded the conversation, she was like, all right, let's go. And then just stood there. Mm-hmm. And like I had to reload multiple times and try to like push people around to try to make it work. Um, yeah. I'll say right now, I am in no way ready to declare this uh, Bethesda's most bug-free experience because there's still a lot left to see. And also, I have experienced just enough to let me think it may not be. I'm so far, I'm 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 gonna say it's the least buggy it, big game they have done for me so far. I, I'm with you. Even even like the one I just rattled off was the only like truly progress blocking mm. situation I've seen. Mm-hmm. Most of the other stuff has just been more goofy. Like yeah, like, like pathing. There, and, yeah. there there was a bug which was listed in the day one patch uh, change log. That did you ever? Did you guys ever see this where your companion would just start hovering? <laughs> Like no, I haven't seen that. It happened to the robot for me. The robot kind of got into this like balled up pose, and was just like hover, like levitating or following me around, okay. which was pretty fun. Uh, you know, I I didn't I didn't look at the patch notes. Uh, I played this morning, so I assume I got pulled the patch. But um, I will say the robot, uh, he's big and chunky. Yeah, uh, when you're in zero gravity, he's just walking through air. <laughs> he nice. just he does his walk animation, which is like doesn't look great. Um, yeah. but like bug wise i've only had i've only had like really bad ragdolling it's not even a bug it's just yeah the ragdolling gets so out of i've had people's torsos get caught in you know hang from the ceiling and that kind of stuff nothing nothing too bad with like actual bugs yeah and i have i am the first one to to give bethesda credit because i'm the first one to give them crap when when their stuff is completely broken so yes so far in this for the amount of plates that i feel like are spinning it has held together okay for me. So far, yes. nothing heinous on my front. Yeah. yeah. Other and again, that 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 scripting bug I had was before the patch, so that may well be fixed at this point. There, there's one moment I've had 
trying to remember if that was after the patch or not. It doesn't even feel like a bug. It's the most disappointing thing that's happened in the game to me so far. It doesn't even feel like a bug as such, so much as it is like multiple systems maybe not like meshing well together. So like when you get inducted into, into Constellation, I'm sure you remember talking to Sarah. Mm-hmm. There's part of part of that intro dialogue is like she's like, yes, we, we expect every member to, to like uh, abide by their own morality. Mm-hmm. Like we don't ask too many questions about how you get things done. You know what I mean? Yes, I remember, you remember that. that? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like she's pretty upfront about that, right? Like mm-hmm. am I, I'm not misremembering. Like no, they, it's very clear. Like they, they go out of their way to make it clear. Like, Hey, we're not all a bunch of goody two shoes. Like you get things done, how you see fit to get them done. I came upon, and she was still my companion at this point. I came upon a, it was, I think it was a random encounter. Like I jumped into a system and like there was a ship there in distress and the captain gets on the radio. They hail me and is just like, is like, just like, Oh my God, they fucked everything up. You got to help me. And then like sound of commotion. And then this other lady comes on and she's like, Oh, the captain needed to take a nap. We're fine here. Don't worry about it. And like, I kept going through this thing, you know, it was clearly they had hijacked this guy and like probably just killed him. Um, and meanwhile, she's yelling at a guy to fix the systems faster in the background. And long story short, it turned into a fight. Like they got their shit back up and I got into a fight with them and disabled them again. I just uh, shot out their guns and engines or whatever. And I was like, well, fuck these people. I'm taking this ship. Like they yeah. stole this ship. They are pirates. I want another ship. Also, that's the other mm-hmm. thing. <laughs> Ships are very expensive and I have yet to get a second one and I really want a bigger one. So I was like, hey, perfect golden opportunity. Like this is defensible morally. So I, I board, I don't know if you guys have shot out a ship and then boarded it before. Yes, it's, it's very cool. Times. It's very I, cool I, that yeah. you can do that. Anyway, I'll, I'll cut to the choice, cut to the chase. We go on there. There's a bunch of spacers. Sarah, the whole way is just like, it's like, get ready. They're not going to give this up without a fight. You know, like she's like egging me on to go kill the spacers who have just attacked us. She's killing them herself. The second I kill the last spacer on the ship, I get this big, because this this game kind of has telltale style like yeah Sarah will Sarah, remember this Sarah mm-hmm. liked that like yeah. Sarah didn't like you know like she turns on a dime the second I kill the last pirate and it's just literally like calling it's like it's like what is wrong with you you, you monster like oh, how can you do this like you boarded and, like, the ship and killed the yeah, crew like yes. oh wow like like she goes full on into this you have done a reprehensible thing here oh wow mode and quite literally says something along the lines if you if you keep up this kind of behavior I'm out of here. Wow, so and did you reload? Like, uh, yes, I reloaded okay. because I because like, and it straight up said like Sarah hated that or whatever. You know, yeah, like, yeah. like she went full on like this is completely unacceptable. And I'm like, everything in this game up to this point has made it seem like you personally and the game itself would be fine with me doing this. It's one and of the reasons I, I ditched Sarah. There's now, a story see, mission where you have to go kill a bunch of spacers with her, yeah. and she's gung ho about it. This yeah, must it, have been a thing that bugged for you, like that. Like, absolutely, yeah. is, is either a bug or it's just systems not clicking yeah. with each other exactly right. Like you like killed I'm, the actual crew of this ship, right? Like right. Without, yeah. Like I, it could it could very well be an actual bug, and I'm sure that is probably not what they intended. But it was just it, it really broke the spell, you know. It was mm-hmm. like because I was just getting to the point in this game, and I'm still I still mostly feel this way that like you kind of can do what you want in this, like. To the extent that the story lets you, I don't know if you can literally go become a cultist and the story accommodates that or whatever, but in terms of how you want to play your space fair, like, do you want to be a Han Solo or a XYZ? Like, you can kind of decide, I want to go gun a bunch of ships down and board them and take all their stuff and take the ships if you want. You know, you can be a goody two-shoes. I have not commandeered a ship yet, so I don't know what happens. Like, do you... 
Do you know what it would happen? I, 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 I should have done it just to see. Um, at the time, I was so incensed. I was like, oh, fuck this. Like, I'm just going to because, you know, I took a big relationship penalty. Yeah. Because you're building affinity with all your companions. Right. And I assume yes. that unlocks things. Um, I did have the option to, like, sit down in the ship and fly it, I believe, is how it worked. I think that's how you do it is you just sit in the chair. Would you leave your other ship there? I don't know. That I'm not that I'm not clear on. I'd, I they probably accommodated somehow. I um I always we sent a tug and brought it back. I um or maybe one of your other crew can take it. Yeah, I, or somebody else can fly it for you. I dumped Sarah. She there's a couple. Of, there were a couple of things where I was doing something that was ethically gray, let's say, but for the greater good. And she was like, you know, wagging her finger, and I was like, you know, Sarah, I think this isn't going to work out between the two of us. Um, this isn't how I want to play this game. Um, you know. I was like going to sneak some stuff out of uh, 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 UNC storage or whatever for a person that had their stuff confiscated. And was like, she's like, I don't know if I can get down with this. I was like, you know what? You, you put, talk a big game, but you so why uh, don't you get down on that planet while I go do this then? Because <laughs> uh, we're done here. How did, how did you go about that one? Uh, I, t- I did them twice. I did it two ways. Uh, so the first one I did was I just got the key card from the back room for that storage unit. And then I, I wound up passing the persuasion check for the guard, the guy who's in front of it as well. And he, he let me in and was like, just don't say anything. Uh, that's for the ingredients for the bar, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I did that. Uh, Sarah didn't like it. And then, uh, as soon as I had the opportunity to get Barrett back in the game, Barrett was like, Barrett wouldn't care. Where it's all about doing what needs to be done out there yes. on the uh, edges of space. I I will sum up or or begin to sum up by saying, so far this is a game I think I want to. I'm I'm still poking around trying to make the fun I want to have in the game. Um, and it feels like I am seeking that out more than being hand fed like a, a fun narrative. Like sometimes it feels like work. Sometimes I'm really enjoying what's going on. So you know. And I think that's probably due to some of the openness of the game where you could just be off the beaten path for your, your entire time. I don't know. Like you're constantly spawning into things where you're like, how much loot do you want? Do you want to just sit there and grind away for 20 hours to buy a ship and, and sell every Grendel gun you find or, uh, uh, you know, whatever. I found so many fucking Grendel guns, dude. Holy <laughs> Got shit. Got a lot of Grendels. Uh, so I, Grendels. I I take them on, and then I put them in my ship's hold, and then I go... There is a sell from ship inventory I found finally. So some of the UI is not great uh, in terms of nested systems being in weird places you didn't expect them. Like crew management buried in a ship menu somewhere, or your ship not being able to send directly to your ship's cargo bay. You take it yourself and then you could put it in the ship cargo, but you can't give it to your, your crew. Um, I think just the basic inventory view is extremely limited. It's just one, it's one column. (laughs) It's just a single list that you scroll through and it only, it takes up like a a sixth of the, or maybe a fourth of the screen. So it's like, there's so much more room. They could have exposed more of the inventory and to let you see more of what you have. This feels like some stuff they might even, as the, the game lives a little bit more out in the wild, be like, okay, we went in and we added a thing that's like send directly to cargo hold or something yeah, like or, that. I mean, this doesn't help console players, but PC will, the, the UI will get modded sure. to hell and back like in a week for sure. So I, um, I, I'm kind of, um, I'm enjoying it. I think, okay. I, I think I want it at this point. I just feel like I want to grab something. I'm looking for purchase. Like I'm waiting for the mm-hmm. thing to, I'm waiting to like really like make traction with with starfield and right now my tires are spinning sometimes and i'm like ah you know i'd say more than sometimes for me like it's it's maybe 70 percent of the time i feel like i am just trudging through what they want me to do and i'm finding 
these nuggets of fun here and there in some of the side stuff and the exploration and just kind of being in the in my ship and and, and tooling around. But I think a lot of what you're doing, especially in the opening hours, like I don't mind a slow burn. I'm fine with slow sci-fi and like taking your time and building a story. But you have to at least grab me in the beginning, and I think that's what I have not found yet, is the thing that grabs me and says, okay, I'm interested in this. I'm actually intrigued, and there is a propellant behind me pushing right. me forward. Yes, yeah. that's, that's pretty much where I was at for the first six hours or so, and the main story still doesn't have a hook that I've really been caught by. Like, I'm still just on an artifact hunt, you know, like nothing. Right. They're, they're introducing more characters. I've You hit a point where, after the first couple steps of the story, they're just like, Okay, now here's a bunch of stuff we need you to do. Just go do them at your leisure. So I've done one of those three, but at least they're starting to introduce more characters and sending me to different parts of space. Um, but yeah, like I, 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 the other thing I was going to say is do not get too mired in doing little, the, the little 10 minute quests that are peppered around every settlement. Yeah. Like don't do too many of those because I did a lot of those and I was just like every one of these is like, it's the I same get, shit. Yes, I'm getting XP and money, but like, it's just there's no rewarding writing or mechanics here no. really at all. It's just no. a bunch of fetchy, fetchy, questy I, stuff back and forth. There is one where I really want to find out with the story. I want to see how this tree thing resolves on that that starting planet. There's something about this tree that I oh, like. I've got, I've got. There also there's. I mean, we could probably sit here for five <laughs> hours talking about this game. There are like eight tiers of mission. Well, eight is excessive, but there's like yeah. There's main missions, there's activities, there's there's uh, faction missions, there's like a couple others. But yeah, I have an activity, I believe, which is talk to the scientist by the tree. Right. And actually, that's another thing I should mention. Like the quest log really could use more context for each mission. Yeah, definitely. Like, so like, for example, the activity tier, which is like the activities are literally the ones where like incidental ambient dialogue from an NPC as you walk by will add an activity. They're not even, yeah, they're not even like things you have to interact with to pick up a little quest, but like, and they fire hose that <laughs> those at you pretty early on. Yeah. I've got like 15 at least of them, yeah. but the thing is those don't even tell you like where you picked them up or where they send you like in the activity list. I've got one that's like talk to Kaylee. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> You spent a lot of time talking about how big this galaxy is. You should maybe tell me a little more about where Kaylee is in this galaxy. I mean, you, you can, can do set a show on map. Quest. Yeah, yeah, you, you can yes, show on map, but even I'm with you. But, like, but yes. it, it's it's not the, it's not a mechanical problem because yeah, you make it your active quest and it shows you exactly where to go. It's more not like, always though. Sometimes it doesn't show you an icon, which I find really frustrating. And maybe it's just because I haven't been to the place yet where they want me to go. But there have definitely been some where I highlight it and I'm looking around for that blue icon and I'm not seeing it. Sometimes you have to turn the hand scanner on to see where the objective is or to see right. the path that sends you there. But it's more for me. It's more I'm just like I'm scanning this list. I want to decide what to do next of the 80 quests I have. Like I'd like a little more context about like like I might just ditch this talk to Kaylee one because like I don't know who she is or why I would care about that quest. Like I've, I've I'm so divorced from the context of why I picked that quest up in the first yeah, place right. that it feels way too mechanical I, to to re-involve myself i think in. i know who kaylee is if you if you ever, if you ever want to That's point nudge in the right direction but i um but i think that goes back to what i was saying about the dialogue a lot of that stuff just winds up feeling check more checklisty than kind of um narratively nourishing right like there's mm -hmm. it's more like oh i got this thing i should just run through the steps so i can get the xp versus which is its own thing i'm a very checklist person in games too i could just like run through the checklist stuff but I think, Alex, what you said also is a thing I want to happen so badly, which is just an attachment to something like yeah. uh, like the ship, the characters, uh, my character. I feel like I'm not even attached to really like 
I um, wish I could do more with my character. And maybe, again, this might be one of those things where it's like, you know, more options open up as you start to, you know, align yourself and do more things. But, like, the narr- like the dialogue choices do not have a lot of variance in personality from what I have seen so far. Like, there are some some that kind of nudge in a direction or another. There are some that characters will like more than others. But, like, you know, if you really want to kind of build a personality for yourself, this game does not seem like it has, like, a ton of options for you at least in terms of like the way that you address people and talk to them. Yeah, a lot of the, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of the a lot of the dialogue stuff is locked up behind skill unlocks. Uh like social is one of the five categories of skills and that's where all the bribery and persuasion and diplomacy type stuff is, so you kind of you kind of have to spec into that if you want a character that can respond a bunch of different ways or be a fast talker or whatever. Yeah, and occasionally I'll, I'll get my my trait will pop up, um, you know, like hey wanted or or whatever it is will pop up as a as a thing I can do with my background. But yeah, like I just I everything feels a little prepackaged in a way that doesn't give me motivation to see it through. And like maybe maybe that'll change once I get my own ship and I spend a lot of money on a ship. But I also want again I just want to do that thing. I don't know why I keep coming back to this, but I want to do that thing where I set course and walk around my ship and just like, cause there's, cause there's research to be done on the ship. There's like, yeah, you can learn to cook on the ship. You could do all these things on your ship, but you don't do it at the same time you're doing something else. So I want that feeling of moving through the galaxy. Yeah. Yes. Um, as cause every, every, everything you're describing, you can do on the ground or in orbit, but you're not going anywhere at the same time. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like you're not exploring at the same time you're doing that. You're just sitting still and you want to feel you want to feel a sense of travel and forward momentum and yeah, exploration like, at the same time you're you're working your research station. I want the like, you know, Star Trek, Star Wars, we've set a course. Now we're going to do some social stuff on this ship in the downtime, right? Like, come sit down and talk to me. We have three hours to go, you know, mull about or like do yeah. some target. Tra- or something. Like, it's, it's the life on a ship, right? That's your space trucking, right? Like, what's the life of a space trucker? It shouldn't be fast traveling. It should be the lonely no. hours out there in the in the abyss. Like, the thing I always go back to, the one of these games I always go back to, like, in terms of, like, big expansive stuff like this, is is Red Dead Redemption 2, which is the sense that, you know, that's a game that has fast travel to a limited degree, but so much of the experience was just about planning adventures and doing yeah. things and, like, you know, finding stuff along the way as you're on your way to your next destination. Like, no game has ever done that better, I feel like, than that yes. particular game. 100%. And I wish there was even just a fraction of that here. Where it's like the interstitial mm. uh, journey can create some adventure or some moments or some things that you do. It's something I wish they had pulled from. Like, I understand you don't do the diving into atmosphere, pole to pole walking of No Man's Sky, but the, you know, the longer space travel between planets and, and bodies and other things that you're going to, stuff where you have that freedom to kind of move through the space and decide what you want to do when you're on your ship and stuff's moving between places. I wish there was just some of that yeah. or more of that than than they are currently giving you. So so there there is more of that out there. Like it's okay. not you're never going to get the sense of moving around that you want. Right. Unless something drastically changes later, but I have at least like the my favorite moments with the game have been random encounters with little scripted random shit. But I I'm trying to think like what you would need to do to see it like probably I, I would say, like, go to more places they don't send you to. Like, I've spent mm-hmm. a lot of time just going to other planets for just because they look interesting or whatever. And that's where I've been having a lot of this stuff. Um, like, other ships will land near you occasionally on planets. I assume you've seen this. I I, I've seen ever. that once. 
Okay, so that's so that's like that's an example of like every not every time, but often when I see a ship land near me on a random planet, I run over there and see what it's about to see if I can steal the ship or <laughs> um whatever. But like one time, well, okay, this is both this is both cool and also revealing of how mechanical this game is because like in basically every case, the ship is unlocked and you can just waltz right onto it, and nobody on there will react in any way as if it is weird that a stranger. <laughs> on a random planet in the middle of nowhere, just stepped onto their ship. Like they're just like, Oh, Hey, how's it going? Like yeah. that's weird. And, and kind of takes you out of it a little bit. But like one time I did that and went on there and they turned out to be smugglers. And I went up to the captain and before I even said anything, he was like, Oh good. You're here. You're late. What took you so long? And I'm like, and, and then the options are, you know, it's like very straightforward. Ah, you seem to have me mistaken for someone else or whatever. But then, you know, there's one that straight up says lie. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I had to run an errand. Sorry, I'm late, you know? And so I like went, I played it cool. And it turned out he thought he was handing off his illicit cargo to me, which I took. Just take a shot. No, I didn't do that. But because I, I figured I was in deep enough already. But I was like, so where's this stuff going? He's like, wait, they didn't tell you. They sure don't tell me. Like, you better get it there, though. And I was like, well, whatever. I'm out of here. And it was some good shit. It was like, a very good jump pack. Like they have, they have loot ter- uh, rarity in this game, by the way. I don't yeah. think fallout four had that, but it's straight up blue, purple, yeah. Yeah, gold, gold items. Anyway, it was some really good shit, but then now a, a, and, and Oh, there, there is one other, the, the ecliptic mercenaries, ecliptic. Oh yes. Something. Yes. Oh yes. yeah. Uh-huh. They're, they're like kind of more high, like, uh, like elite sort yes. of high, high tier bounty hunter types. Like they're, they're legit in a way. Some of the other factions are not. Yeah, like one of those guys has been on my ass, like randomly showing up trying to hunt me down since I took that shit. Uh, which was just like a cool thing to stumble into that led to yeah, you know, that, th- that's three hours. Me. Three hours later, somebody showed up to kill me in orbit, and sure enough, I could not kill them. Really? Um, it, it, but it, like, some things are mechanical, and some things feel very free form because like I I died like six times on this guy. I was like, "There's no way I'm like a level one ship here. What the fuck am I supposed to do?" And then it occurred to me, it seemed like the kind of thing where it would be like, well, you can't grab jump, jump away because you're in the middle of combat. You know what I mean? It's like, you have to kill everybody before you can leave. Mm. Well, you and could, then I just can, tried can it. Yeah. And you totally can. Yeah. I was it, like, oh, wow. If just a grab drive, you can't, yes. which has happened to me. So that's what it, that's what it is. It's not, they, they don't arbitrarily say, oh, you're in combat. You can't jump to another system. Yeah. It's, is your grab drive still functional? Then you can leave. You know, like, actually, that was a, that's <laughs> I, a cool thing. Cause especially when you take into account that you can do the same thing to them. It's like then it's like, okay, if you, if, if my grav drive or theirs gets shot out, then, then I or they are not going anywhere, but it's like, it's a cool, like in world rule instead of an arbitrary restriction that yes. I thought that kind of stuff. That's where I feel like choice comes in and it feels like, Oh, I actually thought to try something that I just assumed was disallowed and it turned out to be okay. And then it got me the hell out of there. And yeah, that was I, cool. I learned that in a tool tip because during a loading tool tip, and I should say that there's a lot of loading, but it's usually pretty small loading, um, at least on the uh, Series X where I'm playing it, and the PC. Uh, the, the, there's a, there are multiple loads between rooms and ships and stuff like that. but they're, Some are they're, longer than others, but yeah. yeah. I've never hit anything that's aside from the initial load into the game that's very long, but uh, on a tool tip on one of them, it said, um, if you use your grav drive to escape battle, story critical ships will remain there for the next time you return <laughs> i was like oh okay. interesting okay they're like uh you know other ships might not be there but story mission critical yes. ships will remain there. they they did like did Morrowind just let you kill literally anyone you wanted because at, uh, at some point at some point at some point they started putting up more guardrails on their games where like you can't permanently kill quest npcs and 
stuff like that. So they do try to preserve some of the basic storytelling. Uh, a couple of other things to touch on before we uh, before we bounce out of here. There is base building, outpost building. I tried a little bit of it. Um, so I'm mining uranium on a planet, but I didn't have enough money to really outfit and kit out the base. It seems like you can assign staff to manage that stuff, but I couldn't do it. It's probably because I didn't build a habitat or any place for them to stay. I built like a solar array and a miner and that's it. And I, there is uranium coming out of the planet, uh, but I have to collect it from the miner. And I don't know where that goes in the end. Uh, you can build I, storage I, I, containers and stuff, but uh, I didn't have yeah. enough resources to do it. I saw a tooltip made it sound like you can automatically have resources sent between bases. That sounds eventually. cool. Yeah. So it sounds like eventually you can, because obviously you can only extract the resources that a planet has. So you're going to have to build a bunch of bases to get all the stuff, but it sounds like it sounds like you can establish like shipping lanes to just get it so all to one place. That could be the whole game for me. Like, yeah, if, like, like if yes. I get that going and I figure out what that is, that could be the thing that I'm like, I love this game because I'm just getting resources to build my shipping empire. So that's kind of where I'm at now where I'm starting to see glimpses now of the different lives you could lead. Yeah. Lives you could lead in this game. And like, I kind of, kind of really want to be a pirate and a smuggler. And so, so I'm starting to think in those, in those directions. Like I, I picked up my first contraband, which is a suitcase full of harvested organs. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> it was worth a ton of money, and I forgot to—I forgot that I had it. And then I went back to the main UC planet for a story quest, and I was like, "Well, fuck me," because they immediately tagged me with it. And I started to just reload. I started to be like, eh, "I should just go drop that off. I don't want to get in hot water here." Turned out to not just be a, oh, you're in jail, pay the fine and get out. It started a whole like major new quest line. Oh, interesting. From getting, from getting caught like that. So, so like it seems worth just sort of letting things happen like that. Cause you don't know where they're going to lock like actual story or quest content behind what seems like just a, a like a bad outcome. So it's kind of along that path. I had contraband. I was going to the story planet. Like I said, they wouldn't let me land at the main base. And as soon as I started getting scanned and it said, you have zero chance of evading this. I I went to a, a civilian outpost on that planet, and then I spent, and this is where I left off playing, about an hour and a half exploring caves and stuff on that planet and scanning everything. So, like, completely sidetracked. Yes. Um, just, you know, like, oh, look, there's a bunch of stuff to scan here. What are these miners? They're all dead here. I'll say for the most part, and the thing that, again, for me, narratively, doesn't really pay off is a lot of these places I go to, it's mostly I'll get some loot and some money. I never get like a cool narrative thing. That's that's the that's probably the weakest thing. It's 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 how fast travel oriented is the, the game is, and and it's that it's for me. It's that like very little of the quest writing has felt like a truly big payoff for what you're doing for the like the work, the busy work you're doing, or, or even just it. the incidental stuff. Where I, I think sometimes in my mind I still feel like, oh, if I go to this abandoned space station. I'm going to find out something horrible happened here. And sometimes it's like, no, it's just a bunch of spacers get the loot. And then I'm waiting for the thing that's like quest completed. And it's like, no, I just leave now. I think I killed yeah. everyone. I think I'll yeah. just leave. Yeah. Like I, I, I randomly came upon a space that there are space stations everywhere. And I came upon one this morning that wasn't answering my hails. And I was just like, well, I should go see what's going on there. And it had been overrun by spacers. Yeah. And it was actually like, I think the combat's okay. It's not certainly not best in class by any means, but it's better no. It's better than what I expected coming from Fallout 4. I'll say Certainly that. get a lot of weapons. Like the the guns feel good, I say I would say. It's the it's the shooting of the enemies that's a little questionable because like it's the same thing they showed in footage forever of like shoot a guy once, 
he goes into a canned like stumble animation. You keep shooting him and he's still just doing that same animation. It's not, it doesn't feel reactive and punchy, but the guns themselves, the design and feel of them have been pretty good. I've had a Um, shotgun or two that feel like really like they're not doing the damage they should. Sure. I got one that is great. I got a blue shotgun that was, was, it had, it was a double barrel. Like, you know, you have two shots like that. That felt pretty fucking good, but a lot of machine guns have done nothing for me. I like, I I found a pretty good Grendel finally. Like a really modded out one. There's an extremely elaborate like weapon part upgrade and and mod thing that I'm guessing none of us have touched. I sure haven't. Not at all. I did. No, I unlocked it i put a scope on a gun okay like i haven't touched the weapon modding or the research projects or the cooking or like almost any of that stuff just i've done a little bit of ship upgrading i've i've Um, dipped a toe into each of those things where now when i go back to my ship i see if i have anything to drop it because you could do it partial like piecemeal as you get pieces for those things i upgraded all the parts in the ship that i could afford to upgrade the grav drive the well not the grav drive because that you can bounce the grav drive seems to be the higher energy bar you have a energy threshold on your ship the more energy you put into the grav drive the further you can jump out instead of making hops to other planets and i was like that ah, it doesn't really bother me now I'm like yeah I'm, I'm okay doing those but shields engines late so you have laser guns ballistic weapons and missiles on your ship yeah lasers take out shields ballistics do hull damage and i think missiles also do hull hull damage right is that yeah is that okay um, so if you want to disable a ship, you definitely don't want to uh, fracture the hull, right? You want to disable the shields and then you want to, what do you use to, I've never disabled one. Do you use lasers? To like it's, it? it's tough. I have definitely had cases where I took their shields down. I'm like, okay, I'm going to surgically carve out their engines so I can yeah. board them. And I still end up just killing them in the process of trying to, okay. yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to, to man, to manage that. Sometimes. Maybe you got like an EMP weapon or something, but yeah, the, uh, I, I would hope so. I like even lasers still can kill them when their shields are down pretty quickly. But the ship upgrading is fairly easy. You just go to like a guy on port and it's like, okay, uh, though keeping track sometimes in the, in the UI of what you have versus what you want can be a little funky. Cause they're just like a, you know, like grab drive two or something like this. That's what I have. Cause it's when you buy it, it sells back for less than you bought it for. So sometimes the prices don't match and, and all those things, but I dip my toe into all those things and all those systems seem like, you know, they'll, they'll pay off if you, if you, if you get in there, I haven't done the put a whole new compartment on a ship yet. I've only upgraded the pieces I have. Like I haven't done yeah. the ship modular building yet to like make it bigger. You mean yeah. to have more space to walk around in? Yeah. I, I haven't done that either. Do but, you, uh, real quick. Real yeah. quick do you, can you sell old ship systems when you buy new ones? I haven't yes. found a way to do that. I think I'm pretty sure the guy will take them off your hands. Um, though I don't actually, I think maybe you sell it immediately. I, I'm not sure. That's a good question. Okay. I thought maybe it's just sold back as part of the price. Cause you kind of uh, put things in a shopping cart and then yes. you check out. Maybe that's what it is because I couldn't find them in my inventory after yeah. I bought new ones. Um, sorry, I, I super sidetracked myself talking about combat and stuff. All I was going to say was I I docked with that space station that wasn't answering my hails and oh, it had right, been yeah. overrun by spacers and all the scientists were dead. And after I killed all the spacers and read a bunch of terminals and like emails and stuff, there was a whole little story in those terminals of like just shitty management. You know, like there was a whole thing about like, oh, security's getting kind of light around here because like two of the security guards got married and bounced mm. and like oh, they want us to like do a bunch of evacuation drills instead of hiring more security. Oh, what's up with the administration gets an escort to to the shuttles in an evacuation plan while we are supposed to grab weapons and shoot our way out? Like, it's, there's some kind of class division thing mm-hmm. in all these emails. And I was like, that's kind of an interesting story. And it ends where it seems like everybody's evacuated the shuttles. And I'm like, how great would it be if I could go to that shuttle bay and find somebody still there to talk right. to to wrap up this story to like, yes, right. tie a bow on 
this setup that has been made on this station. And I looked everywhere and could not find like a shuttle bay or any survivors or any, there was just like, it was kind of like environmental storytelling with no conclusion. That's right. Yes. You know, and it was like, it was like, it was a cool moment. Like it was cool to find this station and hail it and board it and kill all these spacers. And the combat was actually pretty fun, but I just needed something at the end of it to really contextualize it and make it feel like rooted in the world. And like it paid off exactly how I feel with a lot of that stuff. Oftentimes I also wonder like, Oh, did I just make my way here outside of the story mission that would have sent me here to go retrieve something? I I wound up in a cool spot. It was a casino and there was zero gravity. It was my first zero gravity place. That was like, it's cool because like ballistic weapons will push you around and everybody's floating around. They're above you, below you. And it was a kind of a cool fight, but I just, it was also overrun by spacers. And then, you know, I kind of went in this casino, did everything, found this back room in a tunnel that had a computer terminal and it said, enter the jackpot code. And like, I didn't have the numbers for it. And I searched that entire place top to bottom. Couldn't find it. I was like, man, is this a mission I find on a different planet that is going to send me like, Cause I have found other missions in terminals that are like, you know, Hey, the secret pirate stash is on planet, whatever, whatever, whatever. So I was like, ah, do I just not have this thing to do this? Which is okay. That's okay with me. Cause it's like, look, that's how it's going to work. You're going to, if you're going to explore stuff, not everything's going to have a payoff, but stuff like that, Brad, you were talking about where it's like, I guess I'm just done here. I guess I just turn around and leave. Cause it was like half hour. It was, it was yeah. a substantial amount of time I spent on that station. You know, it's not a throwaway thing and it was just something at the end. Yeah. Like that's, a lot of Grendels. That, that's a lot of Grendels to get. I don't, I don't know why this comes to mind and I didn't even finish the game. Although I put a ton of like, several dozen hours into it, but like Witcher three, I remember feeling like a game where like almost everything I did large and small felt like it had a narrative payoff at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it felt like it felt like those side quests were written start to finish and I wasn't just getting some mats or money at the end of it, you know, like some, there was some little story bow tied on it that made it feel satisfying. And this, this needs more of that from what I've seen. Yeah. Th- this, yes, those are definitely felt more curated. This feels a little bit more like the mass effect one, a cookie cutter based stuff where you're just like, Oh, you go in there and there's some baddies and you're going to get some things. I mean, it's a little more than that, but Again, for what they're allowing you to do, there's probably some trade-off we're making between, look, you can go to this base outside of the story thing. You're not going to get the full context for it. And that's just because you decided to go in this damn base. Like, that's on you. Which is like, okay, you're right. It is on me. I, If I just wanted to go down the path. But you're right. After doing 45 minutes in the base and you're like, I guess I just leave. I guess I just so get the now car what? and go. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I... Again, I'm going to keep going with it. Coming off of something or in parallel to something like Baldur's Gate, which I feel like is just so character driven um, Mm -hmm. and so has its claws in me in terms of the characters and all your companions are interesting and dynamic. This feels much flatter, even though it's probably has, um, you know, a more expansive universe to explore and the you can build bases. That's nothing you could do like that in Boulder's gate and you can do all this ships building. Uh, I think I just need a couple of more places for me to invest myself in. Yeah. Into it. Uh, and, and I think I'll be good there. But right now, like I said, I'm, I'm still working through it, trying to find the part where I latch onto it and become like, man, I've got the coolest ship, the coolest gear. I'm still at the part where I'm swapping gear out constantly. Um, I'm still battling with my encumbrance weight. I don't like, I'm, I'm, I'm still maybe struggling with the systems also trying to figure out exactly 
what I need to give and what this game's giving me in terms of, of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. do I need to pick up every apple? Do I? Definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> right, let me, let me like, assure you, fucking no. Like, uh, I, I at this point, I only pick up ammo. I pick up any crafting materials that I find of any kind. Okay. Um, but f- apples are food crafting. Well, sure. Like, when you go into, you should go check out that food thing because it's going to ask you for apples and cheese at some point and be like, oh, yeah. I need to go get cheese to learn how to make a ham and cheese sandwich. Sure. I've, is- I've never been huge. I guess, like, Breath of the Wild is the closest I've gotten to, like, a cooking system that gives you a bunch of buffs. Like, I, I don't know that I'll bother with that here. Yeah. Well, the game I- is getting harder the deeper in I get. That's, um, that's another thing we didn't mention. Some of the food stuff you cook will be like, hey, you get a, a, some kind of buff to a stat. Yeah, it's so. a lot of like faster move speed. It's it's yeah. very Zelda. Like it's it's you move faster, you have higher damage resist, or yeah. you know that that kind of stuff. Um, I really yeah, just like, want more points to drop in and make my way down the street. So what I should do is just do more of those mainline quests. I think. Yeah, like you you can buy more encumbrance if you want it. You can some some armor gets you various yeah. types of uh, mitigation of that. But I, I, you know, I'm also carrying two dozen weapons right now. And is that necessary? Absolutely no. not. Like, I carry as many not. as I can favorite. Yeah. And then I, then I put the rest so on my ship. That's is, what I need to do. That, that's what, what three, six, it's three on each hot slot, right? So it's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's nine uh, total. Um, I think it's nine because on the 12, isn't it? It's 12. I think. Oh, sorry. They're four. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's uh, 12 and I think they can all be weapons if you want. Uh, I keep one as a healing item, but like I've yeah, got my, that, that's good. Yes. You should handguns that. on one, my shotguns mm. and, uh, uh, axe, my shotgun. I got a cutlass now. Uh, and then, um, my laser weapon and my, uh, uh, it was, it's like probably name all the weapons at this point. It's the Grendel, the Matt Mastiff. What's the, what's the one with the uh, M? The, the, um, oh no, it's not the Marauder, is it? So, uh, Maelstrom. Maelstrom. Yeah. Maelstrom. It's the Maelstrom. The, yes, there's like, what's the energy weapon? The, the big, uh, there's, there's the Equinox. There's Equinox. the Solstice. Yeah. So I haven't gotten a lot of energy weapons yet. Did you um, get the big revolver, the Magnum one that, uh, it's, um, yeah, I've got a couple called? of those. Uh, it's like, there's powerful, man. I've been using yeah. those. And then I started putting points into the pistol upgrade thing because like, also, ammo, you know, I run out of ammo on a certain weapon. I switch over to another weapon. Yeah, um, yeah. There, there's tons of weapons. Like, they they definitely brought it on that front. So, yeah, I, th- I think my long and short of it is uh, even even with my hour count, again, I'm probably like 12 hours in, plus or minus an hour or two. Um, I'm still figuring it out. Like, I really, I think I want to like it more than I'm liking it. And, like, I want to see the potential maybe more than I currently am am. I'm not saying I'm forcing myself to play it, but there are definitely times where I'm like, maybe this time is the time. Like, it's going to grab me. Uh, but I think it's a, it seems like a game that has a lot of potential. Yes, there's a lot of stuff in there. I, like, I, like I said, I'm a few more hours than you guys, and I'm, I'm getting closer to feeling like I'm actually seeing and starting to realize some promise. Like, my, the thing I want to do right now is through talking to people, I found out that there are both, there are both shielded cargo compartments you can install on your ship mm. that are immune to scans. And there are jammers you can install. Okay. And appar- apparently between the two of those, you can pretty much roll around with whatever illicit shit you want without getting scanned. So like, that's the type of stuff I'm excited about is like, yeah. here, here is a progress blocker or an obstacle or something that is getting in the way of me being whatever kind of dirt bag I want or whatever. Yeah. And like I want, I want to, I want to pursue that now. Like I want to, I want to get over that hump and, and do cool stuff. Yeah. And I think Alex, everything you said, I think I agree with in terms of stuff feeling flat and yeah. uh, and, and disconnected. So um, I'm sure there'll be more uh, Star Citizen yeah. talk in the future. I think Starf- we Starfield. 
Sorry. <laughs> there will <laughs> not Star be Citizen. more Star Citizen fan uh, talk in I'm the immediate sorry. future. Sorry, I'm not going to play. Uh, one more thing I have to touch on, which is yeah. that I played the majority of this so far on an Xbox Series S. Yes. On account of being out of town, and we've gotten some questions about how it runs. Right. Shockingly fine. Or okay. like, maybe not shocking. Like, actually, the way they were talking coming into this about the 30 FPS lock and everything, I kind of wondered. I was like, maybe it's actually totally fine. It is totally fine. Huh. I like, played on a Series X. I performance-wise, it has been mostly okay. Um, uh, you know, uh, I do see some texture stuff that looks kind of grungy and funky once in a while. Yeah, so uh, that's like, that's the, on the S, that's the biggest. It's less textures and more resolution. There are definitely spots in specific contexts where you can see, like, oh, this is definitely running at a low resolution mm-hmm. enough that this looks, like, very pr- pr- profoundly jaggy. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I've, I've played it on SX and PC at this point, and, like, the S is absolutely a fine place to play it. Like, cool. I had no real complaints. Like, load times, at frame rate, everything was right there with the X. My my preference um, so far between the console and the PC, it's mostly, I, th- I mean, on the, on the, what I'm playing on the 4080 here runs very nicely, and, you know, um, it, it does just fine. It's mostly, I think I enjoy the mouse and keyboard in terms of loot management, being able to mouse over stuff very quickly and just be like, I'm taking this and this and I'm not taking anything else and combat just feels better to me with the mouse and keyboard right now. I, I just have a better time with it, pulling off headshots and, and even ship combat tracking ships yeah. and, and stuff like that. I'll, I'll probably switch to at some point. I just haven't like put in the time yet. Yeah. I'll be curious if, if you do like, I, I, again, it's one of those things where, uh, look, I like sitting on the couch. I like playing it on the big screen. Uh, but then it's got, you know, between the PC version, the the, the Microsoft store, ver- store store version at least, um, it's got cross save and all that stuff, so cross progression, so it's pretty easy to bounce back and forth. I haven't I haven't had an issue yet um, doing it. Starfield, not Star Citizen. Starfield. No. Uh, by the time you hear this, uh, you probably what is it? One more day, and then the the early access stuff. Uh, eight hours. Eight hours. Okay. I believe Roger lifts eight hours before people who bought the expensive edition. Uh, can play it. We will be streaming it at the time this podcast goes up. Yes, that's right. Yes. Um, although per the embargo, we can only play it from a new save. That's okay. I before, think just so, kind of going in some of the mechanics and stuff. Yeah, and I'm actually kind of, I don't know if we'll do it on that first stream, but I'm almost curious, like like we said, how fast they just give you a ship and turn you loose. Yeah. Like I, part of me just wants to, maybe because I've already played through it all, like skip all that early Constellation story stuff and just go straight to. Totally doing what you want and see if it can be played in this more like elite wing commander privateer style. Like here's a giant galaxy. You just go do what you want. Kind of so game. Probably get your jetpack, but, but aside yeah. from that, um, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I, I, I think my feeling and we'll see how this bears out when that, when it's actually released is people who bounce directly off of other Bethesda games. I don't think are going to find something novel here or new in terms of that the way they're making games. So if, mm-hmm. if that style of game didn't last get you, um, and it wasn't just the, the thematic setting of the games. Uh, I don't think you're going to get too, too different here. Uh, but if you're on the fence, you know, watch some videos, check some stuff out. This could be something for you or maybe not. Like you watch one of our videos. Who can say, yeah, yeah check it out. Uh, all right, we're going to take a break. There are, there are other games. <laughs> there what? are other games. Yes. What? And we're going to take a break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about those other games. Stick around. This week's show is brought to you by Rocket Money. Rad Shoemaker, Alex Navarro, 
I bet you guys have subscriptions. I had a lot of subscriptions. I had too many subscriptions, and at a certain point, I had to drill down. I had to, I had to focus. I had to make sure that I did not have so many subscriptions anymore. You had to take time out of your day. My busy schedule. Your time, which is worth more than anything, to find those subscriptions and cancel them. Brad Shoemaker, do you live a subscription lifestyle? I am just a walking monthly bill at this point. <laughs> it's the world we live in. If you need help, boy, guys, I got some, uh, I got some news for you. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. It says here that most people think they're spending $80 on their subscriptions, but in reality, the number is closer to 200 My God. What are we even doing? With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the ones you don't want with just the press of a button. Rocket Money also lets you monitor all your expenses in one place, recommends custom budgets based on your past spending, and they'll even send you notifications when you've reached your spending limits. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. That's rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. Rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. Thanks, Rocket Money. All right, we are back. And it's time to talk about another game that came out, uh, let's say on Friday. This came out on the 25th. Armored Core 6, Fires of the Rubicon. Now, I think it's just Fires of Rubicon. but yes, Fires no of problem. Rubicon. There you go. Uh, Alex, you've played a bunch of this, or some of this. I played a chunk of this. I mean, I got a little past where we were when we did that stream the other day. Um, what are you thinking so far? So, I kind of love it. <laughs> Great. I, I kind of love it. It's, I love that you love it. So again, I've never really played an Armored Core game before. At most, I have maybe assigned out an Armored Core <laughs> review or two over the years to other people. Um, but, you know, you can't live in proximity of Austin Walker without hearing a little bit about how great Armored Core is uh, at some point in your life, despite what Dan Reichert might say. <laughs> um, so I uh, I went into this very much with the attitude of, well, a lot of the From stuff stuff recently has not been hitting super well for me. Uh, Elden Ring was maybe the closest I got to getting way into one of these games. Um, and I've not, you know, I'm not a big mech guy, but I'm becoming mech interested, mech uh -huh. curious. Mech curious, got it. So, uh, I was like, all right, I'm going to give this one a shot. And here's what I have found. Yes, this game is hard in the way that a FromSoft game tends to be. But boy, howdy, is that combat fast and furious and does it feel good. So what did you think of that first helicopter fight? Did you slash him with your sword? Yes. Good. Good for you. Did you it try took me not? three tries total, and I was okay. done. Good. Yeah. yeah. I, I saw some people going absolutely ape shit over that boss, and I was like, well, I unfortunately saw someone do the thing you have to do to actually beat it, so I knew what to do. <laughs> but, I mean, look, I want to do that anyway, because guess what? Having a mecha with a giant energy sword is always awesome. It's pretty awesome. Um uh, yeah, I played a bunch, of, or not a bunch of it, I played a little bit of it, uh, the opposite of a bunch of it, on on that stream. I really dug what they were doing. Um, yeah. I, I wanted to get more pieces and parts for that mech and start buying stuff, and uh, again, I'm not an Armored Core person either. This game is, it, you can you mentioned some of the other FromSoft stuff, and Brad, you brought this up kind of when we were talking about Armored Core as well. This is not like 
um, branching path souls game where you've got the hub no. world and you're going other yeah. places. This is mission based. Like, good on them. Also, like yeah. I have not played this. So that's kind of all I have to say here is like good on them for making another armored core game and not just turning armored core into the thing they have gotten mega popular for. Yeah, every, by all accounts, from everyone I've talked to about this game who knows Armored Core, like, there are certainly certain aspects of it that sound like they are informed by where From has been over the last decade, but they still made the game the way that Armored Core people uh, knew these games to be and what they are into. I, I can't wait to see if both of us continue down the Armored Core path or Armored Core 6 path um, to see what the differences we have spec'd our mech to be. Because mm-hmm. I feel like that the customization seems to be a huge, if not the thing here. I uh, don't know if I have the head for getting really into the nitty gritty of the spreadsheets of this game, but I think from the limited amount I've I've messed around with, uh, I it, it does feel like yes, there is a gigantic wealth of options, and also if you just want to have gun and sword, that is a totally viable way to approach most things. And some missiles, come on. And some Gun. missiles, and, and a shield, missiles. maybe. Yeah, and tank treads, you know, if you yeah. want. Yeah, if, you, if you're into tank treads, I'm not, you know, I'm not going <laughs> tank treads, I like having my legs, uh-huh. but here's the thing, again, the mobility in this game feels fucking great. It does control very well, it's fast, uh, sometimes for me it was a little too fast, like, There man, are you, moments, yes. <laughs> when you're just blowing past a lot of enemies, but you sometimes need to be very fast, because there are a lot of enemies, and missiles, mm-hmm. and things that want to make you explode. In the game, yeah, I, oh, everything I wants you to die. Oh, everything. Uh, even your I, even your handler doesn't seem too <laughs> invested in you not dying. So good old and Walter. I, I kind of I enjoy that it is like, hey, beat the objectives for this map and you're done. Take a breath, like you're yeah. good. Um, That's your sortie. Get get yeah. get on back to base. Right. Yes, and and we'll we'll clock in and we'll see what's going on there. Uh, yeah, Armored Core Six, Fires of Rubicon out now like just just some really killer mech design in this i mean even apart from just the customization like it's just it looks good i don't know man like it's 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 grabbing me in a way that a whole lot of other stuff this year has so far not been mm. i think we, we still have not answered the question of mech or mecha exactly yet but it's perhaps an, more time with the game it's an unanswerable question no one can ever have the answer unless they go out of their way and they say get in your mecha can you, can you have multiple mechs? Do you have like a fleet of mechs or do you just have a mech and you have to modify it as uh, as needed? As far as I can tell, it's what it's your mech. Maybe there's okay. something down the road where you have the ability to assign other mechs to things. But uh, up to this point, it has been entirely like, here's your mecha, uh, add stuff, take stuff out, do whatever you need to do. Mm. Can you at least do like presets I or... Think- Loadouts, maybe you can. There is, I think, a loadout system in there. I would hope so because I think the missions are going to call for different things. Yeah, that that was was the thing. Yeah, that was my ultimate question. Is surely I assume different things will require different things. Um, I'm I'm curious to go more into that uh, as well. It's unfortunately also I'm probably going to wander in some limbo now that we're hitting the September October release. uh, portion of the year that has mm-hmm. now become the well, just release all your games just uh, yeah. get everything out there a lot of games yeah uh, another game that uh, kind of came out there that I really really loved and enjoyed and was not was not as surprised to find myself loving and enjoying was the making of a Karateka Karateka or Karateka 
as uh, I think uh, Mr. Mechner says it. Which Mr. Uh, Mechner? <laughs> Jordan. There's a couple of wait, Mr. Yeah. Mechners in this. Wait, how does wait how, which which one does he say? I think he says Karateka. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, I was a uh, 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 Karateka or Karateka. I think earlier mm-hmm. I was Karateka, and then uh, I switched over to Karateka. Uh, there is a, just a whole little. So this is, uh, I think, officially now part of the gold series of gold, uh, gold master series. Gold, ma- gold master series, which is what uh, it's digital eclipse, right? That is yes. Okay, mm-hmm. that is putting these out in their kind of. If you're familiar with the Atari Fifty stuff, it's very similar to that style of uh, part documentary, part uh, anthology collection, part just celebration of a thing or a game and that's what this is for uh karateka and that's what i'm going to keep oh, it's killing me that i have not had time to sit down and look at this with all the starfield it's very cool it's very similar to atari 50 you get a lot of videos the structure is the same yeah yeah, yeah. I, I see it's literally got the same like timeline flow mm-hmm. interface right well yep. so the most but- novel thing i found so far about it uh it well it's two things one uh uh francis uh mechner is a delight uh he is he is a, a a genuine delight and a lot of the early stuff in the documentary is jordan and francis talking about yeah. you know his dad's memory of like jordan doing all this early work on this thing and you know like kind of what his uh you know like what his early goings were before he decided to to start making this game and like the rotoscoping aspect and all that stuff the other thing is that they include a wealth of prototypes of things that mechner made uh even in the lead up to making karateka like there's you know his his asteroids clone that he made mm-hmm. a bunch of versions of that never actually got sold uh death bounce which was the evolution <laughs> of that like there's a bunch of different prototypes for all that stuff and that to me is the real meat of this thing and the thing mm-hmm. that kind of maybe sets it slightly different and not necessarily apart but slightly different from the artari thing where it's like there were those prototypes, but a lot of that was just about celebrating the history and all the big games that came out of Atari. Whereas this is such a focused thing that that is, I think, the exact right supplemental material to add. So you're not just including five versions of, of Karateka and a bunch of videos. Like that's even though those games aren't necessarily things you're going to want to play a bunch, it's just really cool to see the evolution of that stuff as you're going through it. You're absolutely yeah, right. Yeah. Did you may have mentioned this? Did Aren't there also like multiple milestones that he submitted to Broderbund? Yes, mm-hmm. over time. Mm-hmm. There's like three yeah, different versions of that asteroids clone, and there's at least two or three different versions of Death Bounce in there. And that's, and Karateka. Yeah. yeah, that's uh, that's wild. And it yeah, it's really you know if you're not familiar with uh, the game Karateka, and it, it's really like Alex, you hit the nail on the head there. I think in terms of it's more of the making of Jordan Mechner as a game designer. Yes. Than it, Cause it, it's just, it's his whole career up until really, you know, the era of Karateka. It doesn't, it goes a little touches a little bit on like where that goes from there in Prince of Persia, mm-hmm. but, but kind of ends there. And it, but it's really about him going to college, what his life was like, where he got started, his struggle with like trying to become a game designer and, and sell a yeah. game and, uh, it's fascinating because he, like you said, he is trying to make money off of these bootleg clones of games and he's a, clearly a very intelligent game designer and person trying to apply those skills to make money, you know, yeah. make a career out of this. It's not hitting, but people recognize like Broderbund recognizes his talent 
I mean, he's like 17, you know, and like, they're like, like <laughs> you're doing shit that a lot of other people aren't doing at 17. So we have to recognize that. Yeah. And then uh, kind of the pieces fall into place through failure mm -hmm. to make Karataka, like through these other things not working. I have two very small criticisms about this thing. One is that I, I understand why they do this, because they assume that if you are buying the making of Karataka, you probably already know a little bit about the game and who Jordan Mechner is. But they really drop you into mm. the interview stuff kind of in the middle of like him just having a conversation with his dad. Like it isn't there isn't a who is Jordan Mechner? Where Got did he it, come yeah. from? Like right. they just they they eschew that, which I kind of understand why they did it. But I wish it had a little bit more of that. I think it, I, if I remember Atari 50 was kind of the same way, right? Like the stories are not in any kind of chronological order, right? Like the, the, the video clips on the timelines are just sort of like, like, like the story about computer space, which was Atari's first game was actually a story from decades after it, the game was made. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like things, things are not in a narrative order in that it's, sense. Always. There's a degree of order to yeah, it, so yeah, but there's, somewhat, it does somewhat. also feel like they're bopping around sometimes. And yeah. It's mostly in the upfront where it feels a little bit jarring, but once you're in it, it's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's hard to categorize and decide where to put things like that when you're working with something this old. They, the old it's fair. It's fairly linear in his career. And there are, there are sorry, Alex. I mean, there there's text you, but, in there that explains but, some of that stuff, like, but there is an interview. I think they might have some stuff that talks about the um, uh, uh, impact of Karataka because they have like other people that aren't Jordan and Jordan's dad talking, uh, at, at, like uh, other interviews. But um, those feel almost. I was almost going to say the same thing about those. They don't flesh those out really that's going to be my other criticism is that i don't think the uh external interviews stuff. with yeah. other like they have like tom hall and like john tobias and you know a few other people those are not as good gary as Wita. the atari one <laughs> yeah well i haven't i haven't seen the gary one yet but okay. like the, the ones i've seen of like john tobias talking about like the music and stuff mm -hmm. It feels like they are struggling to come up with enough stuff to say about one game versus an entire company's catalog. Like, John Tobias is like, yeah, man, you know, like, the way they use music is is really cool. Like, um, that um, that first theme, um, I'm sure if you played it for me, I would immediately <laughs> recognize it. Like, it feels like they're, they are trying to pull a little too much out of what, not a lot of good interview that they got from those other folks the jordan and his dad stuff is all yeah. great and the people who work directly with jordan have interesting things to say but when they're just kind of pulling like luminaries in to talk about the impact and stuff it feels like they're struggling a little more i, I agree i they have enough people also to who have worked on the game to yeah. really talk intelligent or like um people who have worked around the game or ported the game or or done other things that uh, are deeply invested. I think some of the like, what was the impact of this stuff, is interesting. But yeah, other parts do feel like it's it's almost like us talking about our memory of the game. Yeah, where look, look, if people want to hear that. That's great. I have very fond memories of Karataka, uh, but I think you probably want to hear about the person who had to port this to the Commodore sixty four a lot more than you want to hear about what I have to say about it. But it, I love this package. I think it's fantastic. I'm a huge fan of the game. Um, it's one of those games that. I walked away with even a deeper respect for having watched this stuff about its time and place. Cause I was a kid when yeah. this came out and you know, they go and they spend time on, and again, this is a perspective thing. So I don't, you got to take some of it with a grain of salt of what it was breaking away from in terms mm -hmm. of arcade games and what it was doing for story and, and, and things like that. So 
I did really uh, enjoy his dad being like, well, you know, the idea to put music in the game, I think, was actually kind of revolutionary because all the games you played for me was just some th- some weird clicks and pops. Like, there's yeah. never any music. And I was like, well, you should have music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, it's, it's certainly saying nothing new, but that game is, like, kind of a unicorn in how ahead of its time it was, it feels mm-hmm. like, you know, in so many ways. Like, it's just, like, crazy that one person and his dad <laughs> came to all of those innovations at once. And and then um, I'll tell you what else is fascinating. This shows all of that. There's the history. There's playing the different versions of the different games. And then there's the Mike Micah remake of uh, uh, of the game with the commentary on it's kind of amazing because he talks about just how challenging it is to bring up to a modern platform where I think he says he, he built himself a bespoke platform that had restrictions on it so that he could make a game that had some, didn't have unlimited headroom and had some mm-hmm. restrictions. But also I, I, there's a partner where he talks about the AI, the way it was programmed in original was so dependent on the system that having it, run faster broke the ai and he just couldn't couldn't um couldn't take the actual code and had to rewrite it all from scratch couldn't Mm -hmm. couldn't unwind the code to make it work uh correctly it's just it's fascinating in terms of making games i will say the uh the new version of death bounce is also actually pretty good yeah but yeah my kids wanted to play a lot of that it was yeah I didn't like the earlier versions of Death Bounce, but the no, new one they're not seems, so great. Yeah, but yeah. The, the, the newer one actually feels like a real ass video game with the train, the going yeah. through the trains, and the what a weird story. Yeah, um, it's a it's, fun. I hope they do more of these. These are yeah, great. absolutely. It is. It's such a that's such a fascinating era for games and computing, especially games to think about. You know, it's almost like this. It's almost like this heroic era of of game development. Like just coming off of reading that John Romero book, mm. like Romero was in that same scene. Like is is that letter from him in, the, yes. in this thing? Oh yeah. But they also Jordan also posted that on on Twitter right after Romero's book came out. But like reading that thing and just realizing how rapidly and with how few resources people were making entire whole ass video games back then, it's yeah. crazy to think about. You know, it's like like all those software guys got together. All of them had each made multiple games on themselves. You know, like mm-hmm. so many like most games were just like a single developer in the early eighties, you know, on, on Apple two and, and Commodore and stuff like that, you know, and like how fast people just cranked stuff out. It's like granted very simple games, of course, but like, well, challenging problems to solve though, like uh, yeah. creative and challenging problems. Yes, for sure. And they like some of those correspondence stuff illustrate that where bird about and I'm getting all the details mixed up, but they'll be like, Hey, uh, George, you should just check out, check out what Bill's doing with Choplifter. Like, the, like, yes. like look what's, well, look they what's said, happening. Yeah, they, they sent him a copy of Choplifter yeah. after rejecting his other submissions. Be like, hey, you should just kind of see what new people are doing. This is what <laughs> yeah. the cutting edge looks like. That's that's exactly how Romero talks about it in that book, you know, of just like, oh, I, I knew so-and-so. I knew, I knew, I knew Nasser Gabelli from <laughs> game X and Y, you know, and like mm-hmm. all the things he was doing with page flipping were like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was just so many people doing things that have never been done on their own with limited it, limited communication between them and it's stuff. so it's, it's, it's so it's really and, and like, you know with the restrictions that were in place which were sound severe yeah, on the yes totally computing yeah like there's there's talk in there about like I, I can't get into the technical details but just like using really specific things in the computer to like set your timing against and stuff and the video hardware you know just like having to use like every single trick you could think of to make things work because so there's, there's really, nothing there to work with there's a really funny part or really interesting part of the apple 2e one because i played on the commodore 
uh, where they can't play sound and animate anything on the screen at the same time because it uses the same uh, um, same whatever it's, process. Yes, it's exactly stuff like that. And so like everybody has to pause and but. When you play the game, it seems very intentional and thematic where like people are, are, are getting into scene and then the beat plays and then they animate again. And it's like, I don't think I would have realized that if you didn't tell me. And that's such a great workaround for some of those. Things. The one I really yeah. loved was his dad talking like, OK, so, you know, I wrote these themes like it's a leitmotif for like the three main characters and Jordan being like, that's great. So there's this one memory chip on the Apple II <laughs> that makes a click sound, and you have <laughs> right. if you enter in a, a, a thing between one and two fifty five, you get one of positive. Like there are that many variances on what you can do with that click to make sound and music. Yeah. And so he was just playing like it was his dad, he would play a different note, a different you know section of that for his dad, and be like, yeah, it's a little flat. That's yeah, not yeah. you know that's a, that's a little sharp for what we're looking for. And he's like. Dad, you understand. This is what we have to work with. You have right. to, you have to pare this down a little bit, okay? Right? Because he said he would, he'd be like, "This is what two forty five sounds like." He'd be like, "That's a little flat," and be like, "Here's what two forty six sounds like." He's like, "That's a little sharp." He'd be like, "There's nothing in between, Dad." There is nothing. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's it. Uh, Pick your poison. Yeah, that stuff is really fun, and it's all in the making of Karateka, Karateka, Karateka. Um, yeah. and that, that book is called Doom Guy. Also, I'll say I read it while I was out of town, like. Exact same stuff. If you're interested in that period of early game development on Apple twos and stuff, like there's a ton of info in there along those exact same lines. Uh, and also you can hear about Mike Micah talking about how he, his method of getting past the dropping gate in, in the original one, uh, which interesting. Which yeah. Like I'm, I'm glad I played that game on that stream a few weeks ago. Cause I had never played it before. And now I have got some idea about how it works. You could learn about the different ports uh, on the Commodore and on on DOS and all that stuff, and the ports that maybe aren't as glamorous. They're all uh, some of them are not included as playable on there, but a lot of them are. Mm -hmm. um, it's and uh, I found out. I'm sorry, we can move on. I found out on this trip. <clears throat> excuse me. My dad's first office computer was a Commodore 64. Great, all, it's a fantastic all this, machine. All these years I've talked about, I never had access to a Commodore 64 or any of those early computers. Really. I had no fucking idea until a week ago. Were you just not allowed to play it? No, I didn't know he had it. I didn't know uh, what it was. I didn't know what a computer was. I mean, I was pretty, this was, you know, I was like, I don't know, somewhere in the six to eight range, probably. I just didn't know anything about computers at the time and didn't go there that often, you know, but it's just like, <laughs> it kills me to know I could have just gone to my dad's office. I mean, he just used it to type, yeah. you know, memorandums on and stuff. Use print shop, make some banners. I could, have, I could have gone in there at any time and touched a Commodore 64 anyway. Man, it was a great scene. Uh, that is uh, the making of uh, Karataka. Uh, that is out now. Highly recommended if A, you like that Atari 50 stuff, or B, have any interest in the um, that The Mechnerverse. Yes. Uh, it's cool. Or, you know, want to support more of these, because I really hope yes. they make yes. more, yes. more of these. Yes, they absolutely, like, please, somebody... Not to make everything about it, this is just the first thing that comes to mind because Microsoft has so much money, but like, hey, Microsoft, go give them money to do this for Doom or something, you know, like yeah. big companies, big companies that are trying to win hearts and minds, like to give them money to do this for some of your storied properties, please. And, and before this, before it's too late, um, look, like people are, people are aging, they're getting older, you know, we lose people in the industry all the time. So before it's too late, got to get all that good stuff out there. Uh just very, very quickly here. I've been continuing with Boulder's Gate 3. I still love it. 
<laughs> yep. I, I've been enjoying my time when we check back in and with Doug and crew. Yeah. Uh, I put it down to play, um, uh, uh, Starfield. I keep, keep wanting to say star citizen Starfield. Um, but I just can't wait to get back into it and, and play more of it. And, and I think the next time I play it probably will be starting another new game with my kids once the console version the ps5 version is out um and see if i can play on the pc and they can split screen on the ps5 and see if we can all join together into one happy boulders gate 3 family uh the family that uh role plays together uh, role plays together uh anything else you guys want to add game wise i know we've kind of been trying to get as much starfield in there as we can yeah uh, recently though to be honest all i really want to do is go back to armored core so that's great. Look, there are a lot of other games coming out. Um, I kind of want to check out that Goodbye Volcano High. That Did that come out? That it's just a, came out. Okay. Uh, check out that. There's that new Trine coming out that I, um, I'm curious about. Um, I think that Lies of P is in September as well. There's a bunch of stuff same, coming same out. Same day as MK1, I believe. Oh, my gosh. There, There is definitely stuff coming out here where I'm going to have a backlog uh of stuff in the very very near future so we'll have more to talk about i'm sure there'll be more starfield in in the future here as well also that's uh that cyberpunk thing drops in um september the phantom Phantom very soon yeah all right i know that was kind of a shorter little segment there but we're going to take a break we're going to come back we're going to talk about the news and we're going to wrap this uh already kind of long podcast up uh so stick around we'll be right back This week's show is brought to you by Factor. Brad Shoemaker, Alex Navarro. Do you guys know what Factor is? <laughs> I do. I thought you were about to ask if I knew what food is. Do you also know what food is? I've heard of it. It sounds and cool. Do you know what food can be? Factor's here. Factor is here to tell you what food is and can be. America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit can help you fuel up fast with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. We've gotten some Factor before. I've actually mm-hmm. found it to be quite tasty and delicious and convenient. Mm-hmm. Um, you can put it in the toaster oven, put it in the microwave. I did the toaster oven. It was ready. I think in the toaster oven was ready between like 10, 15 minutes. Pretty quick. You can choose from over 34 weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals, ready to eat in two minutes. You can level up with Gourmet Plus options prepared to perfection by chefs and ready to eat in record time. Ooh, you can treat yourself to upscale meals with premium ingredients like broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. Not that regular butter, truffle butter. Round out your meals and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of over 45 add-ons, including breakfast items like apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, ooh, potato, bacon, and egg breakfast skillet. Oh, man, oh, Factor, man. What, are you, what are you doing to me, Factor? With Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice. They offset 100% of their delivery emissions, source 100% renewable electricity, for their production sites and offices, and feature sustainably sourced seafood in their meals. Head to factormeals.com slash nextlander50 and use code nextlander50 to get 
50% off. That's code NEXTLANDER50 at factormeals.com slash NEXTLANDER50 to get 50% off potato, bacon, and egg breakfast skillet. Thanks, Factor. And we're back, and it is time for some news. Uh, Let's start off here with Sony's PlayStation Plus Essentials, and uh, I forget all the naming of all the different tiers here. Essentials and Extra, and is there one premium? Uh, Cost, they're raising the price relatively not an insignificant amount here. Yes, it's quite substantial. A fact you would definitely know if you read this PlayStation blog post entitled PlayStation Plus Monthly Games for September, Saints Row, Black Desert, and Generation Zero. <laughs> really burying the lead on your price increase here in this blog post. Uh, so they are, uh, their current prices are uh, in US dollars, 60 bucks for plus, that's uh, the essentials, that's the basic one. Uh, extra is a hundred dollars and premium is one twenty. They are moving the essential from sixty dollars to eighty dollars. This is again mm-hmm. U.S. dollars. A a thirty three percent increase. Uh, they are moving extra. This is the twelve month subscription, by the way, not the monthly. The extra from a uh, hundred dollars to one hundred and thirty five dollars, and then the premium from one hundred and twenty to one hundred and sixty dollars. Uh, that's a, again, relative, I say relatively because game pass is still more expensive than that. If you go for the ultimate, I think that, I think game pass ultimate comes up to like 200 something a, a year. Um, so again, relatively big jump there. My personal thing is I find game pass more of a value than I yeah. did the PlayStation plus stuff. I don't, I don't think anybody is, I did, I cannot imagine even the staunchest Sony fan trying to argue that, that this is a better value than game pass. So these are the twelve month uh, prices. The one month is ten ten dollars a month for the uh, essentials, uh, fifteen for extra, and eighteen for premium. So clearly, you're getting a, a better deal here if you go in for the year. That's um, I'm gonna say that's, for that essential that's one, that's that's a big hike, and it is maybe a lot not to landing ask. well, not landing well. From yeah, what I'm seeing here's the other thing that it just occurred to me is different about the Xbox situation. And that's actually the most infuriating thing about this whole thing. Cloud saves are free on the Xbox. Mm-hmm. Like that's the thing to me. Like, yes, mm. they, they both charge for multiplayer. You still have to pay for multiplayer on the Xbox, but these consoles don't exactly have a lot of other ways to back up save games these days. Right. And locking that, what I would describe as essential functionality behind a subscription fee that has now gone up quite, quite significantly. Yeah sucks like that really so because like sony at least lets you still back up on the ps4 saves to usb but you can't even do that anymore like i don't think i realized that they were free on the xbox they, yes okay because yes. uh, nintendo also puts cloud saving behind whatever weird they, they, algorithm they, do, they have they on- do but like nintendo switch online is 20 bucks a year it's harder to get mad about that yeah um yeah so that's that's a bummer I mean, also, you know, their their reasoning is just basically boilerplate corporate stuff of it will enable us to continue bringing high quality games and value added benefits to your PlayStation Plus subscription service where it's like, I look, 
I like the PS Plus. I'm going to call it Essentials, but PS Plus has when it has its rotation of games on Plus. It's been fun. Um, it's it's been a good service. Like they've yeah. had a, quite a few good games over, on there over the years, but also the landscape for subscription services on consoles has changed a lot since they rolled Plus out. When was that? Was that the beginning of PS4? Anyway, like something. I feel like something else needs to change here besides the price. And like, I'll tell you. Like, look, I, I am not just, I play a lot of my games. Maybe my preferred platform at this point is the PS five play a lot of games on there. I don't think I could tell you exactly what the difference is in the tiers. Once you get out of the, um, I think one does the streaming, right? Like one, uh, there's streaming and there's the kind of instant game library game pass equivalent, but it's just not nearly as fully stocked. Yeah. So um, this, this is all happening September 6th. So if you're already in a, um, 12 month plan, you won't get upcharged or you won't, you won't see that increase until you cycle into the next, uh, plan. But if you do any, if you start one before or sorry, after September 6th or September 6th and after you will see this new pricing. So I guess if you want to lock in for now, like if you don't have, if you're paying monthly and you're like, I want to lock in the older price, you can try and get in before, um, September 6th. Yeah. yeah I, look, I, I don't even expect free cloud saves, but they should really offer like a cloud save only plan that is, I don't know, 20 not bucks this. a year. I would happily just pay 20 bucks a year for that and nothing else yeah. at this point. What? So like they're like, you need like fucking come on, man. Like you need, you need to provide people a way to back up their save data. Like games are too goddamn long. There are too many ways to sink dozens of hours into something and have nothing to show for it. I'm not exactly sure what they're aiming for here. Like obviously making more money or generating revenue from this, but like that's, that's it as like, I, I was reading like Matt Piscatella and Daniel Lamad, two analysts I follow on Twitter. were talking about it this morning and they literally said, this is just goosing flat revenue from okay other parts of the PlayStation business that have not, or that have been stagnant that have not grown. I just mean in terms of like even the tiering of the PlayStation plus subscription, like I'm kind of with you, like essential essentials at this point should just be, the barest thing, maybe a sixty dollar uh, a year thing to get your cloud saves if you're still going to charge for that, and and, and multiplayer stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, kind of, kind of that level of 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 thing, um, and then put all the game stuff behind other other higher tiers at that point. Make that the middle tier where, yeah, yeah, eighty dollars a, a year again. It's a pretty relative big increase. Um, you know, you're like talking it, like it, it, act, it actually, it makes Nintendo's efforts look extremely generous at this point or for extremely consumer friendly. Right. Yeah. Like to get, to get the cloud saves and granted, you know, old games are old games, but there are a lot of old games on those Nintendo, super Nintendo n 64 things now. Yeah. For 20 bucks. And again, look, Microsoft stuff is more expensive. They just had a price increase too, which, um, you know, is probably it's probably more if not uh, equivalent to twenty dollars. I think they went two dollars up on their ultimate uh, a month on their monthly fee for that. So, um, and I think they just got rid of their dollar that weird, weird dollar promotion thing too. So, uh, for a game pass, so I'm, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they don't they don't want to give Starfield away <laughs> <laughs> totally. Uh, so look, I'm not really comparing the pricing on that, but I uh, for me, I think the value on the Game Pass stuff has just been. Uh, more noticeable than on yes. the PlayStation side. I think it's very hard to argue against that. Uh, all right. Uh, that's the PlayStation price increase stuff. Um, the Baldur's Gate news. Um, there is uh, uh, 
we talked about it before. Larian had gotten out there and then said, "Look, we want to bring this Xbox version to you as soon as we can. We want to. We want. We want this to happen." We're having some trouble with the Series S and making split screen work. And since there is feature parity, um, kind of, I, I guess they, I, I don't know all the details here. I'm not a developer for the Xbox, but it sounds like you need to have feature parity across the S and X if you're going to release your games. Um, uh, you know, obviously not graphic fidelity, but feature parity. And they said, we're having trouble with the S and getting split screen to work due to the system. Yeah. Well, sounds like Microsoft said, just get that game on the S. And you can lose the split screen. They they hit the level of popularity and prestige <laughs> that starts getting you exceptions from the platform holder. Uh, I as far as I know, I don't know other games that have gotten exceptions for for losing features. But for, uh, for this, I, I think this is the first time. I don't quote me on that, but like this actually seems fairly profound. Yes, in that the, it's the first situation I know of of the S actually getting something substantially less than the X. This. This immediately reminded me of breaking the uh, uh, download limit for games on Xbox Live. Remember that when it was like, mm-hmm. oh, it has to be 200 megs or something like it's that. 50. It started. Oh, at 50, 50. Yeah. And it not. was like. Then and it kept the, going up over mm-hmm. time. Uh, so this is kind of a big deal. You know, look, I am very happy that people who have an S will be able to play Baldur's Gate 3. I think that game is amazing. Uh, I wish they could get the split screen to work, but it sounds like they were having just too many technical problems, and that was holding up development across all of the uh, console, Xbox console stuff, including the X. So that is, still doesn't have a date, but it sounds like it um, it is on its way. Or it, I mean, it look, is- if I'm Microsoft, I'm not saying I'm not putting any fucking roadblocks up at this point to getting yeah. what is probably going to be, if not the game of the year, then a lot of people's game of the year on this platform as soon as humanly fucking possible. And all, you know, look, Larian, Larian's got it coming out on the PlayStation Five uh, as of the time of this recording in like a week. It's coming out September yeah. uh, like sixth. Uh, so it's going to be on PlayStation Five for a lot longer than it's going to be like Xbox. Still, they're trying to get it in this year, so that is. Yeah. Like, no date on that. Also, Larian's gone out there and just basically said, look, the reason this can't happen is because the S can't support it. Like, right. that's, and that's kind of a shot across the bow. And you can't really Microsoft. fucking argue with yeah. that, you know? Right. And well, I mean, you know, any, anything could be made to support anything if you do the work, but there, that's a lot of fucking, I mean, they'd have I mean, to, that's like, the thing weird. is the time doesn't that, that's, allow it. That's, that's what I mean. Like, they could make it look terrible to get right. it to work, but, like, that would take a shitload of work. Well, and, and maybe Larian and, is like, I don't want it to look terrible. Yeah, I don't and, want it to and, look yes, and, and results in compromises that are probably not desirable. Yeah. So, like, so good for Microsoft. I, it, I think the reason this is such an important story is, does it kind of break that dam? for people to be like because there has been arguments about and conversations and thought pieces about what the s is doing to development on the x and you know having to make it feature parity is this going to break it or is this a one-time exception i don't know i don't know games are getting more complicated we'll have to see if they stick by that um I have to imagine Microsoft has heard enough times about what a fucking lemon that thing is that uh, from various developers that they have to at least be like considering the possibility that maybe they just have to make exceptions when there are applications for that. It's possible. I mean, that thing is really only substantially different on the graphics chip and the storage. Like it's got the same CPU. It does have less memory, but the extra memory on the X is supposed to be for higher res textures and stuff like that. So like 
plenty of games should still continue mm-hmm. to be fine. Starfield, you said Starfield was yeah, running like, just fine for you. Yeah, right? like Starfield. Starfield is absolutely acceptable on an S, but like split screen has always been hard, you know, because you're just mm-hmm. having to render way more stuff totally. than you are by yourself. So uh, that does seem like kind of an edge case. It would be a bummer if they really started leaving S owners behind in a lot of more substantial cases than this. I don't yeah, know if they, they don't they don't want to screw those people over either. I realize that, but at a certain point, you do have to like keep your developers happy as well. Yeah, that's yeah, that's fair. But I, I, they don't put out sales numbers anymore, so it's hard to know. But I've gotten the sense that the S the S might be the better selling console. I would believe it. And if you bought that with the premise that you weren't going to get an inferior or you know feature inferior version, that would be a real pull the yeah, rug out from they, some people. I don't think Microsoft would do it. Probably. I don't think so. Like they were, they were pretty explicit early on that like, Hey, all the same games, like you're not going to miss anything. So like that, that would be really shitty if they backpedaled too much. Yeah. Uh, that's all they got to do is bring, uh, bring Baldur's Gate the game pass. That's it. Uh, you know, give it, give it a, you know, there's a compromise. If you have game pass, did I tell you you should get Game Pass also? Uh, free copy of Baldur's Gate 3 to every that's right. Xbox owner. There you go. Make it make it like the snail game on the Master System. It's just built into <laughs> the console. built in. It's burned in on a chip there. Mm-hmm. Um, more Baldur's Gate 3 news. So I am not in Act 3. I am not uh, even in Act 3. I'm not in the epilogue. I have not beaten the game. Uh, sounds like some people were uh, unhappy with uh, Act 3 and some of the resolution stuff in the epilogue for certain characters. Uh there is a new patch or a patch coming soon uh, from Larian for Baldur's Gate 3, which claims to address some of those things, beginning with uh, Karlak, one of the companion characters, and some of the options she has in her epilogue to flesh out some of that story. Again, I can't speak to it too much. I'm not in that in that area. But um, they're basically saying, we've heard feedback. <laughs> we've listened to the fans. They're, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, they're going to try and go in and and solve some of that stuff while tweaking what sounds like maybe more performance stuff in Act 3, which, again, I, don't, I haven't really experienced. They say, um, what did they say? With, with technology that's been taking a bit longer to release than we expected, expected, said Larian. So I'm not sure what tech they're putting into Act 3 or what magic they're doing in there, but um, it sounds like they're going to try and make the game better, which, great. No I wonder. Re- yeah. Sorry. No, no date on patch two yet. Uh, for that, this patch with all these things in it. I wonder if moving that release date up a month was rougher on them in that, in this game than people thought it was going to be perhaps so, than they thought it was going to be. I mean, like that can't have been easy in any context, you know, or like making a game this complicated can't be easy in any context, but especially when you suddenly have a month less to work on it. Mm hmm. So they've said at least in terms of the cut content or stuff that some people have data mined the game to see stuff that was in there. They said no to that question of what people have posed that, hey, is this because it got moved up that you had to cut this stuff? They said no, it was more narrative stuff, didn't make sense, made it too long, this was intentionally cut. Who knows, you know? Uh, Performance-wise in Act 3, I don't don't know. Yeah, I meant more bugs and and performance, which seems to have plenty of issues uh, with both of those. Um, so they say, quote here, we've started expanding the epilogues and you'll see the first results of that in patch two with the addition of a new optional ending for Carlock. Uh, it's fiery poignant and gives her the ending she deserves, which is great. She's a great character. Uh, so yeah, I, the, the reason I kind of bring this up also is, um, PlayStation five version coming out September 6th. Again, probably going to hit before this patch comes out, but then. 
my thing is like, do I just kind of wait for this to come out and before I get to Act Three and before I beat the game? Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I would. Uh, maybe, and maybe that's what I would recommend the people as well. You know, yeah. it's not like it's not like there's a shortage of other stuff to play. Um, this was also a thing, Alex. Um, since uh, we we did our Withers thing on the, uh, I don't know if you remember Withers from our play date with mm-hmm. or play session, let's say with Abby. Uh, they're adding a thing. I think we talked about this before where sometimes co-op members would be in your game even after they left and there wasn't a way to get rid of them. They're adding Withers wardrobe of wayward friends, which again, you will be able to, uh, uh, thematically place unwanted party members in, uh, this thing that will get rid of them, I guess, uh, which is always fun when they come up with them with a thematic way of handling a gameplay thing. Like, pretty much what withers is in that game which is hey i'm a thematic thing for gameplay yeah Uh, so that is boulders gate 3 they continue to work on boulders gate 3 i continue to play boulders gate 3 i continue to enjoy boulders gate 3 we talked about starfield for a while here but did you know imagine dragons also who apparently really likes starfield we have our new paul mccartney doing destiny i guess which is the new? Which was the new corn doing? Um, no, nothing th- has touched that. Nothing can. What the heck was Hayes. Hayes was the game. At no point did Paul McCartney say, uh, "Gaming for me is a religion, and Destiny is the shit." Therefore, corn <laughs> wins. Sure? Yes. Um, Plastic here's song, what, man. Here's what Imagine Dragon says: "Children of the Sky," a Starfield song, is uh-huh. out now everywhere. We've been playing Bethesda Studio games for most of our lives, so we're honored to have collaborated on this song. Listen to the song. Watch the lyric video on our YouTube. Yeah, I listen. It's I listen to it and I watch it. I don't even have a thing against Imagine Dragons. I actually quite enjoy a lot of Imagine Dragons songs, having been exposed to a lot of them because my kids really like Imagine Dragons. I think the song is trash garbage. Okay, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um... I think it's got a line in it. I showed my wife and I was like, can you guess who this is? And she's like, no. And she's like, wait, is is this like Imagine Dragons? And she's like, what the fuck is going on here? I hope they got paid a lot of money because this is embarrassing. Is what what she said. I was like, yeah. Uh, There's a line in there where I think she walked away where they said breaking glass ceilings in the sky, I think was the. What the the, fuck does that even mean? What are you uh, talking about? I wish I could bring up the Am I girl bossing in space? What are we doing here? (laughs) I don't know. It's um, so I do have a problem with Imagine Dragons, as I have expressed in in previous things. Um, That said, whatever the quality of this song may be, I think if you want an illustration of what my general problem with the vibe of Starfield is, is that it feels like the Imagine Dragons of sci-fi video games. It is this very it has a lot of very pleasant things in it, but Mm. I have not found anything that actually engaged my mind beyond just the general pleasantness and that is what imagine dragons music is to me <laughs> yeah. it's the kind of generally pleasant enough thing you hear in a doctor's office or a fucking retail establishment and you're like that's music or before it's, you sit down for a press conference mm-hmm. literally that's what it's been for like the last 12 years are you gonna hear it in front of a press conference or not yeah right sitting while people are filing in the music they're pumping in yes you are um i like that i like the song they did for arcane the league of legends okay uh series okay 
that song's not terrible. That's the extent of my opinion about them. Uh, that line that I'm sorry, I don't want to get the line wrong. I, I always had doubted that I could ever be someone that mattered, that shattered all these glass ceilings up above. Starfield. Nah. I didn't like it. I, I'm getting that. No. <laughs> I, uh, I'm th- listening to it Thunder, right now. Is- Thunder. Fun song. Eh. I can live with it. Yeah. I don't like it, but I can radioactive? live with it. Radioactive? I'm okay. I'm okay with nah, like radioactive. That one, I don't even, that one I, don't even I find really fucking annoying. <laughs> I, I don't know the songs. This is extremely generic. <laughs> it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Um, yeah. Uh, that is uh, uh, Imagine Dragons with their Starfield song. The official song for Starfield. I wonder, I haven't, uh, having played Starfield for some of it now, I wonder if this is in the credits. I don't, I don't know. I haven't. Yeah, the they credits. don't play it at the outset. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't think I've heard this yet. I hope I hear it on a radio playing in a space station somewhere. I, that's what I want. Uh, all right. Uh, EA is still around. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> what a way of putting that. Yeah. And making video games. Uh, one of those games that people are excited for is the next Dragon Age game. Uh, Dragon Age codename Dreadwolf or official name? No, Dreadwolf? that's the name. Dragon okay. Age Dreadwolf is the name. Um. But according to this Video Games Chronicle story, which is which states according to Jeff Grubb, uh, do not expect Dreadwolf anytime soon. Uh, hmm. uh, they did just lay 50 people off from Bioware last week. Uh, God, I missed that. Yeah, yeah I missed that, that too. Happened, it happened the day we recorded last week. But oh, yes, they, they let go a bunch of people, including some very senior writers that had been there for a very long time. Yikes. Yikes. They, you know, they also divested of the Old Republic a while back. Yeah. Mm. Uh, handed that off. And like, you yikes. That's, hmm. With both Dragon Age finishing, finishing production and a new Mass Effect coming, that doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. No. I'm not sure what's going on there. Grub uh, had said that, um, or thinks that, again, this is his speculation or rumor or based on what he has heard, uh, maybe late next year. Uh, but also early 2025 uh, for um, for that. So that's that's a window. I'm going to say it again. Everything about the current state of EA feels like they are just flailing. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm sure Madden does, right? Well, no, that's the thing is they can afford to flail to a certain degree because they have at least two games that make them in the neighborhood of a billion dollars every year. But like... Everything else they're doing. Yeah, like FIFA is huge, Madden, The Sims, like their mobile stuff. But it seems like all of their stuff that generates revenue is like their tried and true, steady producers. Yeah, but they just don't have anything outside that that feels like it is, one, well-managed, and two, coming out. Doesn't does not sound like Immortals of Avium has done well at all. No. So in this uh, Video Games Chronicle story, they state that some of... uh, uh, the Mass Effect team also has been pulled into uh, a Dreadwolf, and uh, according to uh, EA, it, they say, for, uh, relevant to the job cuts and layoffs, if you're wondering how all of this will impact development of Dragon Age Dreadwolf, let me be clear that our dedication to the game has never wavered. So, I'm not sure what that actually means, what that's saying. Like, it, that could be yes. I'm sure they are very dedicated. Our commitment remains steadfast, and we all are working to make the game worthy of the Dragon Age name. We are confident 
that will have the time needed to ensure Dread Wolf reaches its full potential. Um, yeah. I, I don't know I what else to say other than yeah. I, I want that game to come out, and I want it to be good. I want Bioware right. to be well. I don't have great feelings about where EA things in general are headed. I fell off the Dragon Age series. And so I really like the the first ones. I fell off. I really want Mass Effect to be good. <laughs> so like, I I also feel like this isn't a great sign for making these big, gigantic, sprawling games. Currently, I feel like we should set the bar probably at we really want Mass Effects to come out. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want and, a bad Mass Effect. Well, to come no, out. Yeah. no, I know, but I'm saying I'd rather saying, it just be canned. Than, what I what I mean is we have to we have to cross the hurdle of it actually making it to market before yeah. we can weigh in on its quality. That's fair. And this is the first time I have actually wondered like, is maybe that's in doubt to some degree. I don't know. I I don't know. Like that's yeah, because they also have ground to make. Like Dragon Age left off on a very high note, like. Mass Effect did not. They have ground to make up with the Mass Effect uh, universe, whereas a yeah. Dragon Age, Dragon Age left off with you know people wanting more Dragon Age, right? Like this was mm-hmm. a people love that one. That last one was it? Was it uh, three? Was the last one three? Then? Yeah, Inquisition, uh, Inquisition, Inquisition. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Again, hope for the best for them. Uh, some sad news here. I mean, that is pretty sad news. Uh, but uh, even more sad news. Uh. The voice actress for Harley Quinn, the one uh, Arlene Sorkin, who was the, you know, Harley the original. Quinn made for the animated series, uh, Batman the Animated Series. Uh, Arlene Sorkin kind of setting the tone, the vibe, the voice mm-hmm. for Harley Quinn, which has been picked up <laughs> poorly imitated, even on this very, uh, uh, in various podcasts we have done, mm-hmm. um, uh, has passed away uh, yes. at the young age of, I believe, 67. I can double check that, but pretty young, uh, and not very long after we lost, um, the voice of Batman, um, last year, last year. Yeah. Um, or at the, maybe it was the very beginning of this year. I don't remember exactly, but it was uh, pretty Kevin recently. Conroy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Passed away. Not, not too long ago. Uh, so yeah, bummer, huge bummer. Maybe one uh, of the all-time, this character was just supposed to be in this episode and then suddenly became this cultural legacy characters, uh, at least certainly in my lifetime. Like, Harley Quinn was supposed to be a one-off henchman. She was not supposed to be an ongoing personality on that show. And uh, she was fucking great. And that character, I think, is still one of the most memorable characters on a, char- a show that had almost nothing but memorable characters. And like, uh, yeah, again, just kind of want to give a shout out to the work done and the talent there. Yeah. Marlene Sorkin and establishing that character too, because that character has gone on to be an earner, let's say, and a huge part of the Batman universe. Like Mm -hmm. uh, the Harley Quinn animated series with two movies at least uh, is, I feel like you cannot make a Batman thing without Harley Quinn in it now, uh, which is kind of amazing. Well, you can, but it's hard to do a Joker thing without Harley Quinn around. I feel like even even DC Universe, Harley Quinn is such a popular character now that yeah. Harley Quinn makes her way into kind of. Well, that animated everything. series is extremely well received. the The one that the is just the Harley Quinn show, like, is generally very well liked. Um. So yeah. Um. Shout out there for Arlene Sorkin, pass away sixty seven. Yeah. Uh, I'll say long. it again. I said this when 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 Conroy passed away. 
If you have not seen Batman the Animated Series or just been looking for an excuse to revisit, I promise you, it fucking holds up. Hmm. And that is going to do it for the news. And then we're going to start wrapping this podcast up. We have an email address, podcast at nextlander.com. It's podcast at nextlander.com. Send your emails in. We're going to scoop them up. We're going to get to them, but we're not going to do that this show. No. <laughs> we will, we'll We've get done to a lot it, today. Uh, in, a, in a future episode. Um, and so podcast at nextlander.com is where you can send those emails. We also have a uh, new chapter in the Watchcast coming up. Mm -hmm. We are going to be, uh, we finished up lane, uh, serial experiments lane. We are doing, uh, one more uh, or not one more. Our next thing is going to be, uh, another anime movie, Alex. It is going to be Porco Rosso by the narrowest of narrowest margins (laughs) voted on by our mission control and mysterious benefactor patrons. Look, I still want to see paprika at some point. We're gonna, we're going to do some Satoshi Khan stuff at some point for sure. Uh, so join us for that. And then after that, uh, we're going to take a, a week break. And then after that, we're going to come back with some more Hong Kong films. Yes. Uh, and then after that, we're going to just kind of be watching, see what's going on on with the strike. We're, we're going to do some horror <laughs> stuff in October. That's yeah. all I will commit to at this time. But it will. Yeah. let's just say if the strike is still going, we will be uh, looking overseas for our uh, for our picks. That's right. Uh, so tune into that. You can check that stuff out along with a bunch of other things like the Ramblecast, Never Been a Better Podcast, over at patreon.com slash nextlander, where you can go and find some goodies there, find a tier that works right for you. Our support comes from patreon.com slash nextlander. So if you like what you listen to and what you hear and what you see and want to keep it going, uh, that's where you can go to support us, and we thank everybody who's been there. There is one tier there, though, that gets their names read on this here podcast, and I'm going to read those names right now, starting with Ryan Waterman, RRE, John Richardson, Vornak, Kelly F., Brian Lucier, Skywarp, John Hubbard, Sean Miller, Evan Cook, Mark Wilhelm, Jerry Lee, Deidre is off to the beach, Gary Pejke, Robert Fisher, John McInnes, Bunny Fiend, Peter Reardon, Thomas Lynn, Jad Rita, Statics, Andrew Jackson, Mega Crane, Razgriz 2, Brian Murphy, Randy Duax, Andrew Tiebkin, Alex Wu, it's me, JP, Matt Clements Jr., Edward Chick, Andrew Slosky, Steve Lynn, Matthew Herrig, David Campos, and Tyler Treese. Those are our mysterious benefactors for this week. Thank you very much, and thanks for everyone who's gone over to patreon.com slash nextlander. Support us there. Supported us on Twitch. Have supported us on YouTube. Listening to the podcast. Love it. Can't we love it you all. You. <laughs> love you all. Well, okay, maybe you. not all of you. You in the back. I don't like you so much, but the rest of you, you're cool. And thanks to everybody for uh, coming by and joining us for our live uh, patron Q&A that we just had. That was a fun one. A lot of great questions. I really enjoyed that one. Got a chance to talk uh, again with the audience over on the Discord. A lot of good times. You can times. do that too. Oh, you want to join our want to join our community? Want to sign up for Patreon? You can you can be a part of that. I might be a little biased, but it is the best community for video games on the internet. Who would argue against that, honestly? No, nobody. It is no the one. best. 
maybe one of the best for board games in woodworking too. But look, just saying, I, I have a bias there. Uh, that's going to do it for this week's show. I think we've covered everything that's going on. Um, and thanks for your patience with this uh, delayed podcast and the embargoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, hope your Thursday, now I could say it and it'll apply to everybody. I hope your Thursday went well. If you're listening to this in the future, I guess it doesn't make sense. But um, And again, we will be off the second week in September, so no live streaming that week. Keep an eye on the schedule. Some stuff might be moving around as we prepare for that week off, shift some things around. We're off Labor Day as well in the States. That's next Monday at the time of this recording. So no live stream on Monday as well. Brad Shoemaker, we did it. Mm-hmm. We played Starfield and we talked we about it. That's right. Hell yeah. I, feel like it, I don't know why Nothing. that feels like an occasion, but it felt like it was it been it felt like not only just because Starfield's coming out, I feel like Starfield's also this tipping point for like, okay, now all the games are just spilling yep. out. No, nope, whoops, we knocked the bucket over. Here come the <laughs> yeah. video games. Yeah. So here they come, buckle up. Um and uh and boy, I can't wait to keep going uh in Baldur's Game and, and play some more of that. Alex Navarro, thank you very much. Thank you. We'll be back next week with more more of these video games even. there's more <laughs> there's even more somehow next- there's more <laughs> check it out next week thanks everybody see ya